Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. Folks, I'm not going to lie to you. I am in a room with five very confused people who don't know how to behave. It is strange. It is odd for all of us. Uh, this is a live podcast, but yet it's a dead podcast because we ate beforehand. And none of us can move. And literally none of us can fucking move. Here's what I learned today. Lasagna and enchiladas are cousins. I did not know that, folks. Italian, Mexican, Mexican, Italian. Doesn't matter what flag they're flying under. It's the exact same fucking dish. It's beef and noodles and sleep. That's all you got in a fucking aluminum tray with lasagna and goddamn enchiladas. Hi, how are you? Do I sound different because I'm in Canada? I think I should because you know what? Uh, I find myself seeing like a boot and shit like that. And two and do. Like, uh, why do I just say dough? What is dough? I don't even know what dough means. But I find myself saying it. Certainly it comes up every now and again. Um, in Canada, uh, on my 11th day, far too long. This is way too long. Now I'm a citizen. I think I'm actually a fucking citizen. I think I have to finger bang the queen. I think that's how it works. When I'm here to, in double digit days, somehow I have to make my way across the ocean and finger blast the queen, which just sounds grim, right? Doesn't it? you think I'm going to ask you this and I'm going to uh, look full disclosure. There's people here and it's probably going to grow some of them out, but I don't care because I ask this mainly for the people at home. Is it worth finger blasting the queen? Do you think that's a thing? Do you think, because uh, she can't be, I uh, look, all right, and look, you know me, I like a shave tail. I'm fine with that, but I don't mind. Whatever you got, I'm working with anything at this fucking point. It's been a while. I, I, if you got a, a fucking cup of mud, I might jam my cock into it at this point. However, uh, although, but, but you know what? You could probably take a cup of mud, put a fancy head on it. Tell me it was the queen. I would rail the fuck out of it. I would tell everybody I fucked the queen too. That's how I would handle my business. This is probably not something I should be saying out loud in Canada because they support the queen. She's on all their fucking lunos and tunos and all their other bullshit money they got up here, uh, which is that. And don't think that is not a fucking handful of tomfoolery. Every time I go out, I had American money. I had real green American money with presidents. They've got fucking queens and, and fucking knaves. There's a knave in charge of this country. How the fuck is there a knave running this place? Um, there's a rogue. I believe there's a rogue on the fucking board. I ran into a rogue. He's on all the money. Fuck you, Prime Minister Rogue. Uh, so I have American money and I don't fit in. So I gave all my American money to Ken and then, and this is the thing, right? People are very nice. It's Schmitty Palooza. If you don't know where I am, I'm going to throttle down here because I'm putting it, you know, it's funny. There are people in the room. Some people are in the room. I talk faster and I don't know if that means anything that you guys can't parse it. Am I speaking too fast? 
One person just said, no, everybody else stared at me with goggle eyes going, why the fuck are you still here? They don't even understand it. 11 days, far too long for anybody to be in one place at one time. I didn't even want to be in Los Angeles for 11 fucking days. I came up to Canada. And again, this seemed like a great idea. Three years ago, I was here for, I think, an hour. And it was like, oh, dude, you got to come back. So then last year I came in, or two years ago. Was it two years ago? No, it was last year. Is this three years? Is this the third year? I don't know. Let me get up my Canada to America fucking uh, conversion charts. Uh, I believe this is my uh, my third year doing this. So the, the first year I did it, again, I was in town for a very short amount of time, but it was nice to see people. It was nice to meet people. And that's just enough time. That's all the time you really need. And then I came here last week and I think I was here for a week. And that was totally fun. It was great. We had a lot of cool things that we did and went and visited and, and did stuff. And so I went, you know what? That was amazing. What if I went this time for like 11 days? And I think one person in Canada went, that's a really good idea because I think with the exchange rate, they figured I would still only be here for seven Canadian days, which is probably the limit. That's the only amount of time you should fucking be here. Uh, And yet it turns out that I'm actually here for double digits and people are just exhausted of me. I mean, everywhere I go, they're like, because they look, they're like, is that that loud American who's going to finger blast the queen? They say it everywhere I go because look, you're not the first people I'm broaching this idea to. I have asked everybody in every public place, hey, can I finger blast the queen? I went to an en route the other day uh, and I went inside and I asked everybody at every single food court, hey, do you think I should finger blast the queen? Uh, You know, it's 60, 40 against. I, which was weird. I didn't think even to think 40 would support me, but they did. Uh, I think they wanted to televise like in black mirror when that guy railed the pig. You ever see that? That's what I, I got to do. I, what did he do? He locked up all their government shit or he stole a kid or something. I don't know. And he's got a kidnapping and he's like, get a fuck a pig on TV. So maybe I do some weird Canada shit. Uh, and, and I throw out a note to the queen herself. And I go, well, look, I got to finger blast you on TV or else uh, all the maple syrup will have poison in it or whatever the fuck I can do for these people that'll make them sad. Uh, but I don't know if the queen would, but you know what? Maybe the queen agrees because she's not getting it regularly, right? You got to think about it. She's got, it, cause her, doesn't she have a husband? Is there a king? There's not a king, right? She's solo. She's just been a queen for a while. So that means a, either she hasn't gotten it for a while or B, she's getting fucked by everybody all the time. Maybe that's why the guys wear those big fucking hats. What if, let me ask you this. All right. And this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to go ahead and know I'm going to go here. What if the queen is so loose, like she's been railed so many times, they have to jam the hats inside her? What if that's the thing? That's the only thing that satisfies the queen now. She has been such a trollop. She is, uh, she's, uh, she's all over the world with all sorts of different men. And the only thing that satisfies the queen now is they put her in a fuck chair and they bang her with one of those giant hats. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one sit there for just a second, folks. Nobody expected that. Everybody expected a kind, polite show about me going to an escape room. And guess what happens? The queen gets railed by giant fucking bobby hats. Uh, they are Bobbies, right? Is that what they're called? Uh, I th- actually, I think it's Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, if I remember correctly. Um, if they like the queen, who cares who I like, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that's a new addition, I think, right? I think it was. Um, all right, so here's the deal, folks. I am in America. Or no, I'm not. I'm in Canada. Heading to America tomorrow in just a few hours. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am, I'm, this is weird because there are people here. Literally, I'm not, because you can't hear them. Nobody's laughing. And that's, and that is death. And because even asked me before the fucking show, they're like, well, like, how are we going to handle this? I said, look, if you want to laugh, that's great. If you want to leave, that's great. If you want to just go ahead and take off. And I'm not joking. Two of the people that were here are like, well, we're just going to hang out in the yard then. They're hanging out in the yard. <laughs> they literally are not in here. They're waiting for the fire to die down. And hopefully by the time the fire dies down, I'll be done talking in the kitchen and they can come back in and behave like human beings. The host, the dude, and look, that, if that doesn't tell you how sick of me this fucking guy is after 11 days, the guy whose house I'm staying in is in the fucking yard. Wants nothing to do with this. I, I knew there was trouble too, like the fourth day I was here because the last time I was here, I did a show. I did a show at like a record store or some bullshit last year. My buddy Rick Wellbanks, uh, he, he, he unbelievably came through with a cool space to do a show. And we were all sitting around in these fucking 
bedbug ridden, soft, comfortable chairs, which is like, that's a, and that's a Sophie's choice. It's like, well, this is the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in. However, all of my blood is being bitten out by, by insects. So do I like it? Do I not? Um, and then there's like a wayward bass guitar in the corner that smells like Joey Ramone. And that's just fucking awful. It was just that kind of a dank place, but it was fine. I liked doing the show there. It was cool of Rick to come through for me. But then this year I was coming out to town and I was like, ah, you know, Rick, cause Rick moved. He went off to Nova Scotia to see the total eclipse of the sun. And then I'm here not knowing what the fuck to do with myself. I'm like, well, should I do a show? Should I find a theater? I'm like, what if I just did like a live podcast? That might be kind of cool. Cause last year we did a pass the hat thing. It was totally fun. Everybody was nice. Uh, it was, there was real camaraderie involved. And then I'm like, well, what if I do a podcast this year? Okay. That sounds like a good idea. Or we can just, you know what? Let's just hang out at the fire every night. We'll talk. We'll tell stories. It'll be totally cool. We'll tell ghost stories. Um, then the fourth day I'm here, I said to Ken, I go, you know, I'm wondering if I, there, I maybe I should have done a show here. And he goes, oh yeah, you should have definitely done a show. I'm like, well, dude, why didn't you tell me this before? And he's just like, well, I mean, I just, you know, it probably makes sense to have like one big event that closes the whole thing. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing the, the podcast. And he's just like, nah, eh, not the same. And, and as indicated by him right now, literally doing weed work, he's out, he's out in the yard. He has a, a weed trimmer and he's just going ahead and fucking tidying up, which is a lie, honestly, because it's 930 at night. Uh, and it's still light outside in some portions of Canada. I think that's the Aurora Borealis, but I'm not sure. Uh, all right. So I'm here. I'm excited, but I am full of lasagna and enchiladas. We had a potluck dinner here with, and I will tell you who's here and you don't, this is not a fucking musketeer club. You don't have to go. Yay. Uh, but our friend Steven is here and our friend, uh, uh, Tanya is here with her husband, Mike, and our friend Ken is here with his wife, Tresha. And, uh, and as I've mentioned in the yard are Ken and John because, because they couldn't possibly be bothered, which is fine. Uh, and I, and I, look, I set myself up for this bullshit too, because when it started, I said to everybody, Hey, look, you don't have to come in here and watch this. I totally don't mind. Go ahead and take off. Do whatever you gotta do. If you want to hang out in the yard and some of them opted to stay in the yard. And now I'm like, they're in the fucking yard. Which is strange and bananas. I'm not going to lie. Oh, John has just come back in because he wants to grab a beer and go back out to the fucking yard. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi, John. You can just creep around. Go ahead and uh, grab a chair or don't or go back outside. Now, this is even funnier. This is how much Ken hates it. John has come in. Ken's still in the yard by himself. At least he's out there having a chat with John, a deep philosophical chant that John and I had. Uh, John, and I had John and I had, we had quite a few philosophical chats this week. Uh, John, literally John... John wants to talk about anything uh, and, and he will take your, the side against you just to have the long conversation. At one point, John, I think John, he may have been in favor of the Holocaust. I think that's what happened. Just, just to talk like he's, just, and I'm just like, look, dude, I am not smart enough to have this conversation. I don't have, I'm not as well read as you. I'm certainly not as intelligent as you. And I can't, I can't speak on these because that's the problem where I live now. Everybody speaks on these topics without having one scintilla of fucking sense or, or logic or intelligence about the topic. Everybody thinks they're an expert on something. And then, uh, and then John spent 45 minutes telling me why the Holocaust was a good idea. And I said, all right, well, I'm probably going to argue this point with you. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have the facts you have, but still I'm going to be against the Holocaust. Uh, and then this was weird. He came out in favor of the Khmer Rouge, which I thought was really bananas and made no sense. But I mean, look, he likes despots. He's into despots, Dino. Uh, and that's why he sits in the yard today, because you know what he wanted to, he said, what if we go on the show and we just debate the Holocaust? Would you want to do that with me? And I said, sure, I would. Uh, all right, folks, here's the deal. We're here. We're having a potluck dinner and by we're having one. John is right now grazing around trying to find some more food to eat and I can't blame him. John's a machine. He eats like a motherfucker. It's crazy. Um, I've stayed here too long, as I've mentioned, 11 days, far too long to be in Canada, but I've had a great time while I've been here. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I got here last week and, uh, 
uh, got into the country. I still, uh, and look, let me update you on this bullshit. I still don't know. I don't have, I still don't have my passport. I don't have any of the information I need to cross back into America. Uh, I'm st- at this point, I'm starting to wonder if it's going to be face paint and a barrel roll. I don't, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to get back there. I was told by the guy at the gate, they can't deny me my entry back into my country of origin, which sounds like a weird way of just saying they'll let you back in. <laughs> that sounds like a weird comic book thing to say. They cannot deny you entry to your country of origin, sir. Uh, but my buddy Pat is going to, he was going to, all right, let's fucking talk about this. He was gonna, He was supposed to get photos of my passport first he was going to fucking FedEx it and then I said why don't you just get photos because they said photos would be enough and I said and while you're there just get a photo of the birth certificate and he said sure and uh and he was supposed to go last week and then my manager in my building said oh that doesn't work and then the next day I said to Pat well what about the next day and he said well that doesn't work for me and uh and I can't I can't get them on the same page so here it is Thursday night I'm on a plane in in you know eight hours, and I still don't have photos of my passport or my birth certificate. So there is a chance that I will be doing a show from Canada next week again with people sitting in the yard and ignoring me. That could be a possibility. I don't know, uh, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Pat gets me the the the. And look, I guess if I'm putting this out now, start working on a plan. Maybe we do that. Maybe you guys can go ahead and anybody on the border figure out a way for me to sneak in. Is there like a clump of trees I could hide in and you could pull up in like a fucking, like a coyote. Is there a coyote who'll get me back into America? Is there somebody like that? Some kind of poutine eating cheese motherfucker who'll go ahead and just take me over the border. One of you Canadian, there's gotta be some Jacques out there. Who'll do this, right? Some fucking French Canadian guy named Leclerc who'll fucking bring me in. Uh, I don't know. I should have probably thought about this before the night I'm leaving for fuck's sake. I just, I, I, I texted I my I don't want to say her name Jesus my manager I texted Pat and it seems like everything uh, is going to be okay uh, which is good because then I can get home and actually use a microphone that has a microphone cover and I don't have to talk into a gym sock to you folks um, but the gym sock is working well isn't it? don't I, don't I sound terrific folks at home uh, anybody no really. Uh, so the point is uh, we are here in Canada we are ready to go we've had an amazing week eleven days of of ridiculous nonsense uh, 11 days of and again it's that thing like i said you stay too long you start to get near the end of it but also even now i've stayed too long but i'm leaving after 11 days and i don't uh i there's shit i didn't do stuff that i planned on doing that i didn't get done and places we didn't get to go and i was supposed to do vice i was talking to uh ken asked me he was like hey man uh, would you would you want to do vice uh, he's like, and he gave me a few options and I was like, well, that sounds like a, something because here's the problem. Like, yes, I do. I've never, I have never been to a Canadian, uh, I guess they're called a peeler bar, if you will, strip club, whatever the fuck. And I was, I, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in, I could do that. And Ken's like, all right. Um, and we were trying to figure out a day to do it. But the thing is, Ken is, uh, he's a public face here in, in his neighborhood. Certainly he's a, he has a job that uh, he's a cop. So I'll just fucking tell you. So he doesn't want to go dragging American comedian into strip club. And then who knows what the fuck's going to happen. Um, but he did offer me, he's like, well, you know, if that's something you wanted to do, we could look at it if, if it's a thing you were thinking about, but here's the, here was the main holdup. Um, I, I don't, uh, I didn't bring any cash. Like, I mean, I have cash in the bank, but I mean, I, right now, as you know, driving was weird. And then all of August I'm traveling. And so eh, we're kind of moving things around to pay all the bills that we can pay. And so I don't have cash to go to a strip club. So instead of just me and Ken, maybe going to a strip club and me seeing what Canadian strip clubs are like, it would literally be like if Ken brought his son to a strip club and I had to keep asking him for money for lap dances, just, Hey dad, um, you know, Tanya really wants to go into the bed. Why did I pick Tanya? Tanya's in the room. Why would I pick that fucking name? That's the name that pops into my head. Uh, 
Uh, well, Tanya's in the room, not Tanya. So this is a different girl. Different girl completely, everybody. It's Tanya with an O at the strip club. Tanya with an A is here with all the bug lotion. So, I mean, I, I will tell you. But, yeah, that's the thing. I got to go to Ken and go, hey, uh, you know, she's giving me the eye here. Uh, and uh, she's been on my lap for the past half hour. I want to go into the champagne room. Could you give me some of your stupid-looking Canadian money so I could make this happen? And uh, and I don't want to be asking for permission at a strip club. That's not that. Well, I mean, yeah, from the ladies, certainly, but not from anybody else. Um, but I mean, I like, but also when I think about it, they're not going to really want any money from me. Cause I'm the guy who finger blasted the queen. I'm, I'm famous in this goddamn town. Uh, John, you missed that earlier. We talked about finger blasting the queen. It was, uh, it was, I'm not proud of it. Honestly, I've done this 11 years and probably the lowest moment of the show, but that's okay. Um, so, so vice did not happen. I wanted it to happen every, every year when I leave, I go, fuck, I was supposed to go to a strip club and I didn't go. Uh, perhaps next year as I come here for a day, cause I'm not coming here for 11 fucking days next year. Um, I got the to town, you know, I did a show already here once, but I, I, I cut it off. I think the last thing I told you guys was that, that I had gotten into the country and I had made an old man mad at a donut shop, which, by, which could be really any country on the globe. When you take me into your, your borders, I'm going to make an old man angry at a donut shop. You can count on two things with me. I'm not going to have any money. You're going to have to pay for all my strippers and I'm going to make an old man angry at a donut shop. Uh, but then I was, I was able to, the first night, like I said, we went home, I crashed at like fucking seven 30 in the morning. And then we went out to, uh, I met, I met everybody out at dinner. It was Ken and Tresha were there and, uh, John was there. Ken was there. Everybody was here now. I believe it was at dinner, except Steve Brogy is a new guest here today. He was not at dinner that night. Uh, who was out at dinner that night? It was Ken, Ken and Tresha, me and Ken, John, Tanya and Mike. I think that's all. That's what we had. And, uh, we went to a place called the works, which is a hamburger place. And, um, they fancy themselves a construction site. So, you know, we ordered food. I got, and I'm in uh, stupid me. I'm like, I'm in Canada. I'm going to get something Canadian. So I got a, uh, a maple Canadian burger with like poutine gravy and French curds. I mean, it had everything except Trudeau didn't jack off on it. Like that's the only thing that wasn't Canadian on the goddamn burger. Uh, I ordered that, but here was the best fucking thing on the menu. They had that. And then they had uh, like a tower of onion rings. Everybody else got their food. But then there's two things on the menu that jumped out at me. And I'm like, holy fuck. They had fried bacon on the menu and they had a photo of it. And, uh, and you know how artists render bacon, ha <laughs> render bacon. Look at me. Uh, it's, you know, when you burn bacon and you cook it super crisp and it's really small and you can like, crumble it in your hand to make bacon bits. Well, they did that, but then they breaded it. So it's like crispy fucking bacon with breading on it. And then they fry the shit out of that. And then they bring that to you with a, a maple sauce or something. So I'm like, Oh fuck, we're getting deep fried bacon. Right. And everybody's indulging the American idiot. And they're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So I ordered deep fried bacon and then dudes, I, you're not, I, I, I just have to say it. I was going to set it up. They had craft dinner on the menu. Oh my God. I have been here three times and I wanted craft dinner every single time just to taste the difference. I, cause we have, you know, I have macaroni and cheese back home, but here it's called craft dinner. And I could not wait to taste the difference between American macaroni and cheese, craft macaroni and cheese and, uh, what they call KD in Canada, because I, I don't know the macaroni wears sunglasses. I don't know why it's cool, but that's fine. So, uh, I ordered the KD, everybody gets their burgers, everybody gets their stuff. And then, uh, my buddy, Ken, he, he gets a, uh, not Ken. Uh, she, uh, here's the thing. Ken with two ends is where I'm staying at his house. And, uh, our buddy, Ken, Trush's husband is one end because he understands how to spell names. Um, so I, uh, he, he went and got, he got some burger. It was like that had pineapple and peanut butter on it, which actually looked good to me. I was going to make my own burger with caramelized onions and pineapple and peanut butter, but I went with the maple bacon poutine nightmare because I'm like, all right, it's fucking Canada first night. Let's leave it our best shot. And, uh, and then Ken, 
and here's how everybody is. They're super generous to me and they're very nice. And they understand also that I have no money. So everybody's car- I've been on uh, God's good Canadian humor all week. Somebody has picked me up everywhere we've gone and they've paid for me. And it's, it's relentlessly kind. And, and I'm internally grateful to everybody for doing that. Uh, I wish I wasn't wasting their gratitude on maple fucking poutine hamburgers, but it's happening. And I did that. Um, but then Ken gets this burger with pineapple and, uh, and peanut butter. And he cuts his burger in like thirds and hands me a third of his burger. And then Tanya's husband, Mike had a hamburger that had like I like garlic sausage or bologna on it. I said, I don't know what the fuck it was. Some barbecue nonsense. And he cuts me a third of a burger. Now I can't even eat my fucking hamburger, but now I've just got this pile of food. But the only good news is I have a secret weapon, not a foot away from me is the aforementioned John who will eat everything that you put in front of him because he's a monster. It's crazy. I don't know. I, I want him. He's got a, he's the fuck Joey chestnut. J- John's got to come to America and do that fucking hot dog eating contest. Cause he will, he will, he will eat Joey chestnut under the table and then lift up his corpse, pull it in his mouth and pull out the bones of Joey chestnut and laugh because he is that he just puts it away. And I don't know how the fuck he does it. Um, so I knew whatever we had, I was going to be able to give to John. So they, everybody gave me a third of their burger, which it seemed weird. Like they were tithing me. Like I was Tony Soprano and I got a cut of everybody's meal, which was strange, but that's fine. Uh, and then I get my burger and it's just got, I mean, maple and, and uh, the cheese curds. And it's, just, it's too tall. It's too big. I can eat two bites of anything these days. You know me. So first they bring the onion ring tower, which is, well, it's a fucking onion ring tower. I mean, I, I, it's literally, it looks like a fucking candelabra with onion rings on it. Like someone just, it was it literally the only, I, someone went, you know what? I hate baskets. Um, let's try to find some other kitchen accoutrement or something from the den that we can stick onion rings on. That'll sort of look interesting. So they, that's what they did. They brought an onion ring tower, but then they bring the fried bacon. Now, uh, again, I speak to you people in America, you know what bacon is, right? It's uh, it's long strips of meat that you cook until it gets crisp and you eat it with breakfast occasionally. And by occasionally, I mean all the fucking time. Well, in, in Canada, uh, bacon is the width of a dog tongue. It, it is this, it is thick. It, it just, it looks like you ran a, uh, a can of spam through a bandsaw. That's, that's how it, it's just that kind of thick, nasty fucking pink. Uh, unless you get it done in the right place. Like I've gone to this, uh, St. Lawrence's market possibly where we've had pea meal bacon sandwiches, which have been fucking amazing. Um, but these, this joint, they, it, it, all right, look, I don't, if you want to fry me some pea meal bacon, like on a griddle and bring it to me with eggs, that's totally fine. But if you cover it in crumbs, like, and, and deep, cause that's what they did. And they didn't even cook the bacon beforehand. I thought we were getting some, airy, light, crunchy, crispy bacon with a deep bacon flavor covered in breading and they would fry the shit out of it and they would give it to us and you'd bite it and it all crumble and fall apart. Well, uh, instead what I got was, um, you ever see in the cartoons when Wally Walrus smashes his thumb with a hammer and it gets really fat and throbbing? That's what this bacon was shaped like. And then they covered it in breading and they threw it in the fryer. They didn't, they didn't cook it. It was raw and they covered it in breading and they figured that the oil would do the fucking work. And, uh, it was the kind of, you had to bite it and tear it. You know what I'm talking about? Where you have to put it in your mouth and you can't just, you can't just take a clean bite or it doesn't crumble in your mouth. You have to bite it and fucking pull it up. It was like, it was like if you deep fried tangy taffy, but it was fucking pea meal bacon flavor. It was fucking nasty. And, uh, and we tore that apart and we ate that and it was just like, oh Christ. All right. Well, and all of us, uh, here's the good news though. I ordered it because, and then I thought, oh man, I'm the dumb American who didn't see this coming. Everybody else at the table thought it was going to be exactly what I thought it was. Chris, because the picture, they had like a picture of crispy bacon and they said, we fry bacon for you. I was furious, furious which seems weird that I would get furious at food, right? That doesn't sound like me at all. Uh, so we ordered this pea meal bacon and it's fried and it's nasty. And then my burger comes and it's too big and everybody else gives me a third of their fucking sandwich. And, uh, and then, and then they bring the craft dinner out 
And, uh, and folks, I'm here to tell you, I've done a very scientific taste test between American macaroni and cheese and, uh, and Canadian KD. And there are a lot of differences in our countries, but, uh, let there always be uh, one similarity between us. We both eat the same shitty macaroni and cheese out of a box. It, it is, that's what it tastes like. It tastes exactly like American macaroni and cheese. Uh, you, you, it's butter and milk and that orange fucking powder that they've been digging out of the macaroni and cheese mines for centuries. And, uh, and it was, it was the best part of my meal. I won't lie. It was truly the best part of my meal. Um, and then I went to use the restroom and on the sign on the restroom for the men, it had a sign that said men's dumping ground. And I, uh, look, you know me, I don't like scat. I don't want to be talking about this nonsense and toilet stuff. But then I looked at the ladies and it said ladies waste removal, which men's dumping area is, is, a uh, is terrifying. That just sounds like a guy's going to get in there and you're going to walk into some guy in a flannel shirt who has ruined the bowl and he's laughing about it. And he tries to high five. You ever meet those guys who try to high five? You have to take a shit. Get away from me, man. Wash your fucking hands. Somebody who, th- you know, they take pride in what they've just done. That's, that's a terrible thing. But men's dumping area conjures up images of those men. Ladies waste removal made me think that they had stirrups in the ladies bathroom. And, uh, because ladies shouldn't have to make that kind of an effort. They just had like some kind of lube spoon that they jammed up there and scooped it out of you. You didn't have to make any effort at all. They just kind of helped you out. Uh, so I couldn't figure out which was worse. I decided on ladies waste removal would be worse than men's dumping area. But I, I, I look, everybody's kind. They picked the works. My, my burger, all the other burgers were delicious. I had one bite of each of them and it was fine. Then we went to a movie, went and saw Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, I cared for Hobbs, did not care for Shaw. Not going to lie to you, which is actually, it is a lie because I lied. It's just a big, dumb St. Bernard of a movie. And we sat in recliners. It felt like, it felt like we just went to somebody's house and watched it. And oh, here's my favorite part though. When we're getting there, they're like, well, the movie starts at nine 30. I think it was or a quarter to 10. And, uh, Ken and John were both like, uh, was it, or no, it was Ken and might've been Mike. I don't remember. Somebody was like, oh man, I don't want to see any, uh, trailers. I hope there's no trailers with this movie. Not lying. 11 trailers with this movie. In addition to a quiz beforehand about like TV shows and then a behind the scenes look at how you make ghosts. I mean, it was just, it was so stupid, man. But I, and I loved it. I don't care. I'm sitting in a recliner. I'm eating fucking popcorn, laughing, uh, just at my friend's pain. Uh, but then they get, but they had beers, so they didn't fucking care. And then we watch Hobbs and Shaw, which is just, the rock has too much charisma. He's, he's just, uh, you know, have you, if you ever sit at a concert that has pyro and you're close to the stage, you feel the heat on your face. That's what it's like watching the rock in a movie. His, his heat just bursts off the fucking screen. It's almost like he's too charismatic for films or, or I, I, I don't think any venue could contain him. It's crazy. He must be the most charismatic person on earth. And I've said that before about like guys like Mick Jagger. Like if you were at a party with Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger is used to holding the attention of like 85,000 people at once. And if you saw him at a party with just like six people, you'd just stare at him the whole fucking time. You'd wonder what the fuck he had, what he, and, and when he was going to turn it on by you, you'd just be sucked into his traffic uh, tractor beam. And that's how I feel about the rock. He's just, he's just got that vibe, that weird vibe. It's not, and it's, it's funny. It shouldn't be weird. You should just respect the fact that he's really good at what he does. But at the same fucking time, you're, you're just, it's too much. He blows everybody away. Like even Statham, Statham's a movie star and you don't even fucking notice him in the goddamn movie. Uh, but you notice Statham's sister. And again, that's because I haven't uh, done anything in a year and I'm ready to fucking jam my goddamn cock into a wall. Anyway. Hi. All right. Uh, so we see Hobbs and Shaw and as Tanya's walking out, she's like, I hated that movie. She slams a glass on the floor, destroys it and stomps out. Um, which I, you know, again, I expect that from her. She's kind of a roughhouser, kind of a tooth chipper. Um, she had a beer and when she got up and walked out, uh, her glass fell on the ground and smashed all over the place. 
And then the next day, uh, <laughs> I, I told her, I said, you know, that was your glass that broke. Oh, no, we were leaving. I didn't think it would be my glass. I said to Mike, I said, I hope that's not my glass. I can't even do her voice, but it's very close. Uh, Tanya is the most Canadian of all of us, by the way. Um, so that was, I, that's the first night. The next night we went to an escape room. I can't go into details about the escape room, but we had, uh, Hmm. How do I put this? It was me, Brogy, Tanya, Tresha, Ken, Ken starts out. We're handcuffed. And, uh, and, and I can't, again, I've already, <laughs> I can't go into details. We did the same room last year. Here's the thing. When you get into an escape room, I'm going to tell you this right now, pick a leader. All right. Before you even enter the goddamn escape room, make sure you look at one another and you go, all right, here's, here's the guy who's getting it done. Here's the one we're going to listen to somebody who can assign people to do things there. You, there, you can't have too many at one point in this room. All right. We we're in a, I'm just going to fucking tell you, we're in a fake bank and there's a big safe. And then you, you've somehow got to find a way into the big safe. And then you got, there's another safe and uh, it's just a safe within a safe. It, it was just, it was like a Russian nesting safe. There was just nothing but safes. So, uh, at one point, because there's eight of us, I think, two Kens, uh, a Tanya, a Tresha, a me, and a Steven. That's six of us, okay? But at one point, there's there's five of us in the safe, reaching into walls, touching knobs, trying to get this, looking at photos, going, what goes here? What goes there? And and and, and it's not working. We're all, it's just, we're just stacked on top of one of each other's shoulders, like an escape room Voltron, trying to figure everything out as one mind. And it's not, it's just, you got to parse out assignments. You need somebody who's in charge. Uh... And always, I will tell you this, even though I look and, and ignore my fucking advice. Okay. Because every time I tell you something, uh, I have to also admit, even though we ha- if we had somebody in charge, we still step on our dicks for the first 20 minutes in the goddamn room. I, I don't know what it is about an escape room. It takes 20 minutes for you to understand what's happening before you finally put it together and just go, Oh, okay. And then you start thinking the way you should be thinking in an escape room. You're looking for hidden numbers. You're looking at this. You're looking at colors. You're waiting for noises and secret knocks and all sorts of bullshit. And it doesn't click in though for the first 20 minutes. Cause the first 20 minutes, you're just like, does this key work on your handcuff? What about this one? Well, what about this one? And we're just staring at one another trying to fucking get it done. So, uh, I will tell you this again. I can't tell you too many details, but in this escape room, we, uh, we dominated this escape room. We, we escaped with one minute and 11 seconds left. I know that doesn't seem like a domination, but just getting out of the fucking room seemed like domination to me as far as I'm concerned, because earlier, I don't know if I mentioned, we're all sweating on one another in a fucking safe, but we still got out. Uh, it was a triumph. There's a photo that I'll post with us smiling and a, and a, a trophy that is for some reason, just for show. Look, if, if I'm going to win a fucking escape room, give me a goddamn trophy. I, I, I need something other than a photograph of me going, yay, I did it. Cause there's a trophy sitting right there. When you, that's, this is the fucking thing. The trophy's on the counter, right? When you sign in and then you escape the room and there's the trophy. You're like, all right, well, let's grab this motherfucker. And they're like, sure. Grab and take a photo. And we're like, all right, but don't we win it? And they're like, no, what do you, why, what, what the fuck? Why is it even here? Well, we figure if people see it, they'll just try harder because they know that they think there's a trophy out here. You fooled me. You fucking, I can't believe I was bamboozled before I even got in the goddamn room. That's not fun. It's not fair. Uh, but we got, oh, I'll tell you this too. We had a, uh, uh, a lovely young lady who was in charge of us in the escape room. I'll tell you this. I don't, um, I don't know much about Canadian law, but, uh, I think it goes, uh, government, people who work at escape rooms, police, because this woman was brimming with unearned authority. She's like 18 years old. And we have to put all of our, because here's the thing, you can't bring your shit into the escape room and, and, uh, like, uh, purses and phones and all that shit. So we all put our stuff away. Except Ken, uh, with two N's, 
uh, the Enhog, that's what I'll call him. We, uh, we wind up in the room and he, at one point it was too dark in a spot. So he took his phone out and he shined his light on it. And we heard this noise like this and the fucking clock stops. And this, this four foot 11, unbelievably strict work. I, I, she deputized by the state itself comes into the room and she goes, I'm going to need that phone. And Ken goes, well, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm a police officer. And she goes, well, you're not supposed to have a phone in the room, so you can just go ahead and hand it over. Like, like not even backing down, not even going, oh, well, sir, you're a police officer. Okay. No, she literally insisted on it a second time. And Ken goes, well, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to give it to you. But I'm a police officer. I need to have my phone on me. And you would think would be enough twice from a police officer. Uh, in America, she would have been hit in the mouth with a billy club at that point if she opens it again. But instead, she just goes, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you give me the phone and I'll hold it. And if a call comes in for you, I'll make sure to come in and get you. Oh, oh, really? So now you, you've become the first line of defense between crime and, and Canada. Like you're putting yourself in charge by taking the police officer's phone. That's insane. And he just goes, uh, that's not happening. I, I, if you want, I will show you my last two photos. So you'll see that I didn't take any photos in the room, but you're not getting my phone. And she literally sat there. She tapped her foot like Sonic the Hedgehog, not running in the game, staring straight ahead and finally just went, all right, this time this time what the are you gonna kneecap him next time he fucking comes to town please uh and she looked like the little girl running down the uh, vietnam lane that's on fire in that photo you ever seen that photograph from fucking that famous photograph where the girl's on fire where she's running down that's who that girl looked like maybe it was her maybe that's why she had so much attitude i don't blame her look you know what i got i gotta do a 180 on this chick if that's her if she's the girl who was on fire in vietnam running down the dirt road i gotta give her my phone you you earned it at this point uh, so, uh, so we get out of the escape room with a minute and 11 left and we get out and they don't give us the fucking trophy. I was furious, but then it was very nice. Everybody's like, Hey man, we should go eat something. And it's like, all right, cool. Let's go. And, uh, we got, we had a meeting of the minds and by a meeting of the minds, I mean, I walked away because again, here's the thing. I don't have any money. Everybody's very nice and they're paying for me. So I feel like I should not have a vote on where we go to eat. If they were to say, Hey, look, let's go rummage through the dumpster and there might be some crusts of bread. I'd be like delicious because I don't have any fucking currency to stand on to tell people, Hey, let's go ahead and do this. So it just feels wrong for me to order people or say, Hey, I don't, uh, and then everybody, the first thing I did when I got to town was I looked at Ken and I go, look, you know, I, 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 I didn't bring a lot of dough and, and things have been, and he's just like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's been discussed. It's going to be, it's squared away. Um, and then we went to a supermarket and I bought five bags of chips and Ken was like, what the fuck are you doing buying five bags of chips? And I'm not even joking because it's like I put five bags of chips and he goes, man, I'm not buying five bags of chips. And I go six. And I put a sixth one in the cart <laughs> because they had weird chips. I love weird chips. I'm in Canada. I got to get weird chips. You know what? Right now I'm staring at a countertop that has ketchup Doritos, pizza Lay's, onion ring Lay's, garlic bread Lay's, bacon and maple president's choice, fries and gravy Lay's. I have a gnat in my eye. What the fuck? And, uh, and what's the other one? Oh, roast chicken lays. Now we bought these about four days ago. And, uh, again, like I said, Ken was not on board with buying all the chips. I go, dude, come on. We got to get these chips. They're weird chips. He's like, whatever. And then we came here and I gave him whatever American money I had in my wallet. I go, this might cover the chips. It might, I don't know how you work. And, uh, four days later, not one of the bags of those chips has been opened. Not one. They sit on the countertop and mock me. I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe I'll do this on a live stream. It'll be totally fun. Like a little taste test. Um, but then 
in addition to these chips, our good friend Ken with one N uh, gave me snacks from Hong Kong. There's spring onion crackers, and I think there's a dried anchovy thing, and then there's like uh, spicy hot chips and some banana gorilla cookies, and uh, and they all look delicious, unopened on the countertop right now. So tomorrow I leave for Chicago, and I'm trying to figure out literally how to get a pantry onto the goddamn plane with me. I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to think about it. I'm going to try. And then everybody's like devising. This is the weirdest thing. People knew. Like immediately everybody's like, oh, yeah, no, just get a pin, and you poke a hole in the bag, and you just get all the air out, and you kind of collapse it as small as you can get it. And I'm like, what? How many chip smuggling runs have you guys been on for fuck's sake? Canadian black market. Uh, so there was a meeting of the minds, like I said, at the end of this uh, escape room and everybody's like, all right, well, let's, uh, let's get together. Let's figure this out. Let's think, where should we eat? Then I took a walk. I just walked around in a fucking circle. And then, uh, I came back and they're like, well, Steven Brogy recommended a place called Bobby O'Brien's. And uh, normally I don't give the name of an establishment on here because you know what? I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I don't want to be giving an unearned plug to a place if they've earned it. Well, there's a reason I'm mentioning Bobby O'Brien's. Uh, we go there to eat and uh, we and we all sit down. And uh, you know who's not with us? Steven. And I said, hey, where's Steven? And they go, oh, no, he just said this was a good place. And then he went home. I said, all right. So then our uh, waiter came over and he was an actor. Um, he decided to tell me he was an actor. Now I, I didn't even like, I didn't even say that. And look, I don't please know this. I don't go to a restaurant. And I'm like, waka waka. Hi, I'm not doing jokes. I'm not doing shtick. Uh, but for some reason he, uh, oh, because he asked me where I was. Everybody said that I was from out of town or whatever. And I said, I was from Los Angeles. He's like, oh, I'm an actor. And I was like, I literally, I flew 3000 miles to have another guy at another restaurant. Tell me he's a fucking actor. All right, great. Uh, but it was fine. So we were kind to him. We were nice, but you know what? He did not act like a waiter because he had no fucking answer about any of the food. He didn't know what the fuck was coming out. Um, we ordered Irish nachos, which is a big plate of crisp cut fries with cheese. You can't fuck that up, right? It's got sour cream. It's got salsa. It's got a fake guacamole, fake amole. Uh, and we're eating that and that's pretty good. And then I ordered, uh, I got another, we, I got, uh, all right. Our buddy Ken with one N ordered honey, garlic, chicken wings. Uh, our friend Ken Fairhall had, uh, that's his real name. Hi. Um, he ordered wings as well. Uh, I had a burger. Someone else had a burger. Trisha had soup regardless. It, it all, it came to the table and it was that thing again, where you're just, you're eating and you're exchanging furtive glances. Like this is, I mean, this is fucking bad, right? It's so, it's so bad. Honey, garlic wings. There was no garlic on them and they weren't even wings unless they were like, uh, they, they, all right. Robin's wings sparrow wings, dragonfly wings. I don't know. I'm not sure, but they were very small and very tiny and they were not seasoned. And then they brought a thing called a garlic bomb. First of all, they make garlic bread with sourdough bread, which is a fucking mess. Then it was cheese on it. And, and, uh, I, what they called butter. It was more like oil. There was no fucking garlic. It was just, uh, it was just not good. It was not good. The whole thing was a fucking mess. And all of us are just, it's bad food was coming in waves and we're eating it. And, uh, and, and, and finally we asked the waiter, we're like, this is, Oh, I should tell you, there's a sauce that came with the wings. And Ken goes, what is that? And then the waiter comes over and goes, hey, what's the sauce that came with the wings? He goes, that's blue cheese. Ken goes, that's blue cheese, really? And he goes, well, I don't know. It's more ranch than blue cheese, probably. That's your answer? And uh, and we just went, all right. Well, he didn't, and he's like, yeah, sorry. We're, we're undergoing new management, so we have a lot of issues right now in the kitchen. And uh, you don't just don't tell people that when you're about to hand them a $75 bill, for fuck's sake. Uh, but he did. He also then, and then he also, he, uh, 
He said he had a friend who was in the movie who was in the movie Pacific Rim because he said his friend moved. Uh, I said, "Oh, Guillermo del Toro," and he goes, mm, "I don't think so." And I said, "Excuse me," and he goes, "Yeah, no, that's I don't I don't think that's him. That's not his style." Well, Bart from Canada, I'm glad you're here to tell me what Guillermo del Toro's style is. Uh, and then I so I and you look, you know me, folks. I'm a terrible person, so I took up my phone and uh, and I googled it. And then he came over to me. I said, hey, Pacific Rim, Guillermo del Toro. He goes, oh, score one for you. I'm like, yes. Score one for me, Bart from Canada. Score one for me. You're listening to The 40-Year-Old Boy. And coming up, the jerk-off journals. Don't listen too much. You'll go blind. So I literally, dude, was right above the painting, like almost to the ceiling. That's where, I mean, I couldn't believe that's How progress. Far. Yeah. It yeah. was huge. Uh, it, you should do what I do, man. I actually, I keep track of distance. How, how do you do that? I just, every time I uh, shoot, I just draw a line where it landed, so I know. <laughs> you What, do you write the date next to it or something? No, no. My girlfriend's pissed off enough I draw the lines on her. Two cool jerks. The Jerk Off Journals on the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. You don't have a girlfriend. The next day was Wednesday. No, Thursday. <laughs> I have I have started this part of the show over five times now in front of a room full of people. Good Christ. Uh, it was Thursday. I just And we didn't do anything. I had a work day. And then I wound up going to dinner uh, with John to a place called Grand Trunk Saloon, which had uh, which was built on fried chicken, according to the, the waiter. When we walked in, we asked him and he said, yeah, this whole joint is built on fried chicken. If you're going to get anything, get fried chicken. So we, we ordered the fried chicken and it was amazing. The guy did not lie. Not like Steve Brogy telling me to go to Bobby O'Brien's and slick it off to his own goddamn house. So we we had the we had that. I came home and then Friday we did uh, we went to Iron Maiden. Uh, it's something I haven't done since 1985. Me and Ken uh, and and Ken, you know, uh, everybody's been very kind to me here. They're bringing out the dinner. They're they're taking me places. They're bringing me snacks. They're just everybody's so lovely. And uh, and Ken got tickets for Iron Maiden, and he didn't tell me uh, where we were going to be sitting. So we go to the concert and. Dudes, again, I haven't been to Iron Maiden, like I said, 85 Power Slave Tour. And and to go there, it's 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 amazing that they're still on the road and they're still getting it done. And that that they have people my age, they have people that are young, they have people older than me, for fuck's sake. And all of them come out in their Hessians gear with their long ass fucking hair and their denim coats and their Iron Maiden patches. And Iron Man, they understand marketing because they had easily, we counted, we, we got to 50 different t-shirt styles. They had at least 50 different t-shirt styles that we could see. Uh, and they were selling eight that night, you know, a special Canada shirt, all sorts of different stuff. Um, we go to our seats. We wind up, we're four rows behind the pit, which is, you know, that's the perfect place to be when you're old because you're just close enough to feel it where you think that you could be kind of part of the action if you wanted to be, but also you're just far enough away to not break a toe. You know what I mean? Which is really puts a damper on any evening that you spend out with a band. You're like, oh no, I can't, I can't believe I got kicked in the spleen by a man 21 years my young, my junior. Um, but that we, we got down to the seats and then I, for some reason, I decided to do a Twitch broadcast from the seat. So I pulled out my phone and I was, uh, which it was great. People tuned in and people were very nice and they watched. And then everybody kept telling me you should look behind you. And I didn't realize until I watched the tape back, I, you know, I'm filming me and I'm talking, I talked for like 25 minutes and, uh, and Ken's with me and, uh, but behind me, these dudes are staring at me, staring directly into the camera just with this. He's not going to, he's not going to do this the whole fucking show is he, which I understand. Again, I've been to movies and people talk and shit like that. And I, and I'm waiting to fucking murder somebody. Um, but it didn't stop me. I still did a 25 minute fucking broadcast from there. And, and including me, uh, on my new partner who you might want to look for on my new Twitch streams, Rob from Detroit. Uh, 
uh, who was a dude next to me who was just like, Maiden! And then I'm like, what? And he's like, I saw him in Cobo Hall in 1981 or whatever the fuck. He was just this little stoner dude. And then uh, Maiden hit the stage and they were incredible. I, I, I Again, it's been since 85 that I've seen them and they were, they were, I, they're all 65 years old, but they put on a show like guys 30 years younger. They all had fun. They were jumping around. Cause also you don't think of an Iron Maiden show is fun. Like if you really think about it, because their their songs are always about some guy sitting in a clock tower waiting to get hanged at noon by the fucking medieval guard. You know, there was that it's always some nonsense fable song, but they're fucking brilliant. You know, there's a song about the devil and song about native Americans getting murdered and stuff. You're like, all right. Cause usually there's and I actually thought about it when I was watching them perform. I'm like, all right, there's not a lot of song topics. There's a uh, man. I want to fuck that girl. Oh, I probably shouldn't have fucked that girl, man. I'm enjoying fucking this girl. Oh, why did that girl leave after I fucked her? Like you, that's your, that's your handful of songs that you can make. Or if you're Iron Maiden, you're like, what if skeletons could talk? <laughs> and you write a song about that and everybody's like, Oh dude, that's awesome. Uh, and it was, they were, they were a machine three guitar attack, Steve Harris on bass. And the coolest thing about Steve Harris, again, he writes fucking everything basically. And, uh, you know, he's not singing at all. Bruce Dickinson's the singer. And he is a guy, again, 65 years old, unbelievable energy. And there's a lot of high notes. And I will tell you, there's a couple of parts. He wavered a bit, you know what I mean? Because these guys are getting older. There was a, a couple of times he actually had to pull back from the microphone, like the, the chorus of a song called Flight of Icarus. Um, but man, they they came out so, they opened a song called Ace is High and then went right into when, Where Eagles Dare and then Two Minutes to Midnight and then stopped. And it was that thing where everybody just looked around like, holy fuck, that was a serious left, right, left. I mean, it just left you stunned at how quick and efficient they were and how they came out and just fucking steamrolled you. Um, and then, and it's, again, they played two hours on the nose. They only did 16 songs because all their songs are eight minutes long with a lot of brooding and church bells, but it was fucking awesome. It was so great. Um, and then we left the venue and, and, uh, and I, and I, I, this is the first and only time I really missed California on this trip. Because we had to walk out and there was only one way to get out of this stadium. So all of us are shoulder to shoulder and we're just kind of walking inch by inch and we're swaying back and forth and uh, seemingly everybody was smoking. And oh my Christ, I don't, I don't know who makes that choice, who decides to smoke, who, who still likes cigarettes, who thinks that's a good thing to do, uh, except everybody in Canada because these guys were smoking and I'm sitting there. I, I mean, I literally, I almost threw up because it was just this, you're enveloped it was like licking the bottom of an ashtray for 25 minutes, just waiting to get out of the fucking stadium. Cause everybody's exhaling in your face and they don't mean to, it's just, we're all shoulder to shoulder and super close. Now, do I wish everybody in the fucking venue had the, I don't know, kindness to not smoke on the way out. Um, but then again, I'm the only one not smoking. So I guess I'm the, who am I going to make everybody fucking change their lives for me? That doesn't make any sense. Everybody was working a fucking heater. It was crazy. Um, but it was fantastic. I mean, I, again, I haven't seen them in forever and it was, it was a great time. Uh, and I had to be up early. That's the thing is we were all the way in Toronto, which is two hours from where I'm staying. So we had to double back to fucking uh, Ken's house because I had to be up early in the morning because our, our man, Steve Brogy, biggest fan of Bobby O'Brien's in the world. He was coming to pick me up Saturday morning and take me to wrestling. And uh, yeah, that's right. Wrestling. Oh, that's right. I fucking said wrestling. Steven went out and got tickets to women's wrestling for us. And we were meeting Tresha and Ken uh, in Toronto and, and. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a card called, all right, it was called the summit and it was all these wrestlers from uh, a company called shimmer and a company called rise and a company called femme fatales. Basically it was, we didn't know anybody. I didn't know any of the, the women on the card at all. I, I didn't know the names. I didn't know the women wrestling. This could have been 
a gang fight in a sorority house and I would have had just as much name recognition with these chicks beating up one another. It would have been fine. I was on board with it. I don't care. Uh, we sat super close. I sat with Tresha and Tresha got herself worked up into a lather working for her friend, big swole. She was rooting for her. Uh, it was just fun to pick sides. And again, we didn't have any, we met a girl. There was a girl named Siobhan who was sitting by us and she was the, just a tiny little slip of a girl, probably a librarian. She had, let's put it this way. Here's who she was. Um, she, she was so cute. She had headphones on to protect herself from the noise. There's, there's a hundred people in this venue. What kind of noise could we possibly make? But she's got these little earphones on like, Hey, I don't want to, I can't damage my hearing. And she, and she was really, I like meeting people who like wrestling, but who know it's fake or understand it's silly, but also she was rooting hard for it. Like she had a favorite and she was wanted that person to win so bad. That's how I've been my whole life. If I have a favorite, like, and I love the road warriors. Look, I know it's phony. I know it's fake, but I'm rooting for the road warriors to win. I want them to fucking win. And that's how she felt. She, I said, who are we rooting for today? She goes, Oh, we're rooting for Rosemary. And I said, who's Rosemary? She goes, it's this girl. And she shows it to her. And it's a, it's a woman in like makeup with like a pentagram onesie on. It's the only way I could describe it. And, uh, and sure enough, she comes out for the first fight and you know who she looked like? Now you guys might not get this. I played a game on Twitch and it was, uh, uh, what the, I just finished it. I didn't even know what the fucking game was called. It, it was, it was spooky town is what I called it. And, and, and there was a, uh, there was a spider chick in there that you had to fight. And it was, she was literally, it was a woman who came at you on all fours, like a spider with her hair down in her face. And this Rosemary chick comes down the aisle and Trisha goes, Oh my God, it's spider chick. I was like, it is. Holy shit, it is. It's Spider Chick. So then we're with Siobhan, who doesn't hear us because she's got her earbuds on and her ear, you know, she doesn't let to listen to us. And she's in her fantasy world of rooting for Rosemary. But we watched Rosemary kick ass and she won. Um, and then I will tell you this. There was one name. There was one woman on the card that I knew. And it was just on accident because somebody had tweeted. Or, <laughs> brace yourselves. I'm sure this isn't going to fucking surprise you. Uh, I follow a bunch of wrestling stuff on Instagram. And some for some reason, like two weeks ago, this account had tweeted this girl out. Uh, in a thong. And I was like, wow, who's this chick? And so then I Googled her and I found out who it was. And then I went to her website and I went to her Twitter and I was like, all right, she takes some fucking hot photos. She's a pretty hot girl. Uh, but she had a, but her name, her wrestling name was Shotzi Blackheart. So in my head, I go, wait a minute. And then in one of the pictures, she's wearing a, a like a, it looked like a German SS helmet. And I'm like, oh Christ, don't be sexy Nazi. Please, please. I can't please tell me your gimmick isn't sexy Nazi. Uh, and then I did a little more digging on her and it turns out, no, um, she's Puerto Rican. I think she is, but she, she wears the helmet. It's like a war helmet. She doesn't have any, you know, she doesn't ascribe any meaning to it. The name Shotzi is just part of her gimmick. I don't, I don't know, whatever. I'm sure maybe she's a Nazi. She just doesn't pretend to be in a wrestling ring. I don't fucking know. But sure enough, we're at the, we're at this card for shimmer and, and the, the music hits and this girl runs out. I'm like, I think I know this chick and she had green hair. And, uh, and all of a sudden I, I started taking photos of her and I got, dude, I have a, I, I have a fantastic photo of her. Uh, look, I'm not going to lie to you. She's bending over the ropes in a G string. probably, that's not the part we're looking at. Certainly none of us, please be, be clean folks. Uh, she's flipping her hair back. You ever see when a girl puts her hair, really long hair in the water and she flips it back and it gets that kind of like Mohawk rainbow type effect. Well, she's doing that in the light and she's leaning back and all of her hair's getting tossed back while she's, you know, she's got her ass in her face, which is fine with me too. Um, but then it finished and I looked at Trisha and I go, I know who this chick is. And she's like, what? How do you? And I go, yeah, I think she might be a Nazi. And Trisha just looked at me like, what? And I go, never mind. Don't ask. Uh, but we had crazy fun. It was, it was 
a bunch of wrestling chicks we didn't know in a small venue. And, uh, and here, here's the funny part, like, uh, Brogy and, uh, and Ken sat in front of me and Tresha and there was a, a lady wrestler in their aisle dressed up in, she had leather, a leather onesie on fishnets, wrestling boots. She had her blonde hair teased way the fuck out. And, uh, and I see her and I'm like, Oh, I wonder who she's fighting. So she sits in the aisle with Steve and, and uh, Ken. And I mean, and she's just, look, I'm not going to lie to you. She's kind of a house. So she comes lugging her, uh, double wide down the aisle and they got a lean way back. But I'm just like, dudes, you're not going to avoid that ass. It's just, it's just coming at you in three fucking D there's nothing you can do. And I, and even with the fishnets and everything, it's just, I mean, it was looming. You could have fucking, I, it, I couldn't see the ring. It was just gigantic. So she slides all the way down and sits down with uh, another guy who starts yelling at the other lady wrestlers. And I'm like, all right, well, this is obviously an angle. She's a man he's a manager. She's a wrestler. And, uh, you know, we go to intermission, she walks around and people are kind of staring at her and then she sits down and intermission ends. And then the rest of the card goes and, um, she's not fighting anybody. She's just wearing that outfit because she's wearing that goddamn outfit. She's just putting her ass in everybody's face just because she fucking wants to. And the other guy who's like, I let him in my mind, I'm like, are they trying to get jobs at this wrestling company? Like, why the fuck would they both dress up? And he's like this mouthpiece. He's introducing people to her. It was so fucking bananas. But that's what you get when you go to these really small wrestling events. You get these people who are uh, questionable. You get your Siobhan's certainly who are in their fucking earphones trying to make sure they don't lose their hearing. And then you get this chick who's trying to get a fucking job and putting her ass in secret Asian Ken's face. It was crazy. Uh, but then we leave and we went to lunch. We went, uh, they were like, uh, you know, and look, I know I recognize this whole thing's about food because who the fuck am I? It's everywhere I go. It's what I do. I eat. And then I tell you about it. So we wound up going to, um, Ken's like, do you want pho, pho or Thai? I said, well, I've never had pho. Ken's like, oh my God, you've never had pho? I'm like, nah, I talked myself out of it. Like I talked myself out of ramen for a long time, but I'd be willing to try pho. And he's, oh man, it's up the street. So we go walking up, we get to the pho place. We're looking at the menu for the pho place. And I'm like, all right, well, what's this like? Is it bitter? Is it, what is it? And Ken's like, oh man, you'll totally love it. So we're looking at the menu. We're looking at the pho. It's me, Steven and Ken leaning in. And from behind us, about four feet behind us, I hear a voice yell into the afternoon. The Thai place is right here. And uh, I look back and I said, excuse me. And Trisha goes, yeah, the Thai place. It's just two door, two more doors up. And I immediately went, somebody here doesn't like pho. And she's like, oh no, I, I don't, I'm sure it, the pho is good. I just, but the Thai place is, oh my gosh, it's only two doors away. If you want to go look at that menu. And again, man, I'm not buying lunch. So I'm going, you could have said, let's eat rats in the gutter. And I'm like, sounds good. I'm in. You could have told me to eat that fucking chicken, the fishnets ass. I would have been like, fine, done. But sure enough, uh, I knew, I knew that's exactly what Trisha wanted. She's like, Hey man, let's get Thai. So we rolled down to the Thai house and, uh, we got fried everything. And then there was a, uh, I, I, in my brain, I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't know this joint because I ate at Thai places in LA and I'm like, what, what can you just make? What's the most simple Thai thing you could possibly make? And I'm like, papaya salad. It's got five ingredients. It's got papaya. It's got tomatoes. It's got kind of a umami fish, saucy, sweet, sour, uh, kind of vinaigrette dressing. It's got long green beans and it's got, uh, it's got peanuts done. That's your salad. You might want to put a little daikon radish in there. If you're getting a little fancy, that's it. So, uh, I, I, and then they said you could add shrimp or crab. I said, all right, I'm going to add shrimp and crab because again, this isn't my money. What a dick. Uh, but they, so they said, all right, well, uh, I ordered my thing. And then, like I said, we got a bunch of fried appetizers. It was totally cool. And it look, it's not about the food folks. 
It's about hanging out with my friends and getting to visit with them and spending some time with them. And I say it's not about the food because A, it is more about the people, but also it's because the food is so unbelievably bad sometimes. And I don't want to make it all about that. And I know I'm bitching about it. And I sound like this show, this show could not be more 60 years old right now. And I get it. I understand it. Just me whining about fucking free food because that's the thing. Everybody bought it for me. God damn it. Um, but they're all very nice. But I, but the only good thing is everybody comes down and they, they agree with me where they're just like, yeah, no, this was not, this is not good or whatever the fuck, which is fine as long as we reach a consensus. But they bring all our food out and, uh, and Tresha got chicken and then Brogy, who I didn't get this. I mean, and, uh, I don't know. All right, I'm going to say this, Stephen. And uh, 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 should I maybe? Eh. I didn't know this about Stephen. Uh, Stephen orders, he literally ordered like boiled vegetables and plain chicken with no salt. And I'm like, all right. And so I'm like, hey, Brogy, you trying to, or no, he, and I didn't even question it because I'm not going to question another man's meal, whatever the fuck he likes. But then we're eating and he says, someone offered him a, like a spring roll or something. He's like, well, you know, probably not with my medical condition. And, uh, there's a beat and I'm just like, you have a medic. What? Well, yeah. What's your medical condition? And he's like, oh, I had congestive heart failure last year. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but Jesus Christ, is that a bomb to drop on somebody? I'm like, holy fuck, dude. And now, because I need to know that before we're making a decision on where we're going to eat. Now, Tresha, even if she hears that she still goes to the Thai place, there's no doubt. She still goes to the Thai place. Oh, Thai might kill you. Steven. It's two doors down. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. But for me, I would have been like, Jesus, well, what are we getting you, dude? Is there like something special? I would have gone, literally, I would have gone to a hospital and eaten whatever the fuck they fed us. I don't care. I got to take care of my friend. So I, I said, I'm like congestive heart failure. Jesus Christ, dude, that's, that's like monstrous. He's like, yeah, you know, but now they've got me. He, so now he has to eat via a chart. Like he can only have this certain amount of milligrams of stuff and he has to make sure this is good. But, but it's been a while now. So he's able to kind of, the parameters aren't as strict as they were. They're still kind of loose. Uh, but, but I don't want to be there when, when he seizes up, I don't want to be that, you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden I ordered the wrong fucking appetizer and my buddy's just punching himself in the chest. I mean, I can't fucking have that happen. Um, but again, he's a grown man. He knew what we ordered and he ate what he could and he didn't eat what he couldn't. And that was fine because again, he's used to handling this. But for me, I panic. Like I'm just like, Hey, do you want a massage? Like, what the fuck do you want? I got to fix you. Uh, so they bring our food over and he got, like I said, he got plain chicken and boiled vegetables. Tresha got some kind of chicken. Uh, secret Asian Ken got a lunch plate with various ingredients and, uh, and then, and then they put the papaya salad down in front of me. Now, like I said, five ingredients, papaya, tomatoes, peanuts, long beans, and an, uh, Asian uh, sweet, sour fish, saucy vinaigrette, uh, and some spice. There should be some heat to this papaya salad. And you can throw daikon in if you want to be fancy. And I added shrimp and crab because, hey, why not? Let's get some seafood protein in there. Um, they put this down in front of me and I, I see it immediately and I don't know why it's there. And I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. And I, I have chopsticks and I kind of push the papaya to the side. And I look at Ken. I go, Ken. He's like, yeah. I go, Ken. Why is there iceberg lettuce in my papaya salad? And he goes, oh, well, maybe that's just the way they do it. Oh, so the wrong way? Is that what they've chosen? They've chosen the incorrect way to make a papaya salad. Got it. Uh, I, I, dudes, I'm not kidding you. It's it. The, the salad itself is like probably 18 inches tall. 
of which 11 inches are fucking lettuce, just this pile of fucking lettuce. And here's the thing I get if you're, if you're confused, you're like papaya salad needs to have lettuce in it. Fine. But also no tomatoes. There's no salad. If you got lettuce, you got tomatoes. They're friends. They're best friends. They're holding hands. They're skipping down salad lane. Why are you not having them together? And I, and so I, again, I'm a terrible person, but I take all the papaya off and I put it on a different plate and, uh, there's no peanuts. There's no tomatoes. And, and, uh, it's just papaya and lettuce and it, and it said it had daikon, but it must've been shredded the same way as the papaya. So it blends in because it's the same fucking color. The whole point is they have a colorful presentation. And then, and I know I'm a child, I get it. And then I ordered the shrimp and the crab. It was, it was frozen shrimp just cut in half. And it was the crab you spell with a K that you get in the sushi rolls at the supermarket. And that tasted fishy. That should not ever, because here's the thing. That's not fish. That's crab with a K. That, that is, I mean, it is, it is not even close to the sea. It's never visited the beach. So it shouldn't have a fishy taste. And yet it did. They must store it with the other fish. I don't know, but it, it just, it permeated. It just, it had this lingering, oh, dudes, I took one chopstick full and I got a shrimp. I got a little bit of the crab with a K and then I took some of the papaya and I put it in my mouth and then, and, and the coup de gras, the final kick in the fucking teeth dudes no no sweet spicy umami sour dressing it it tasted like they just poured vinegar on this papaya like the sweetness of the papaya would carry that and then they just covered it in this sour liquid oh dudes and i felt awful here's why i feel awful because my friends are buying me lunch and we had had a bunch of appetizers and i had ordered a salad and i and so in my mind i'm like man you got to choke this down dude uh just so you don't look like a fucking jag off to your boys ken and 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 I, so I ate like two more chopsticks full or whatever. And, uh, and like I said, the appetizers are great because they're fried and they were delicious and that's fine. But I just, I ate two more things of the papaya salad and I put it to the side and I was like, I just, I can't do this. And, uh, and everybody was lovely. Cause I mean, look, they had bought me wrestling tickets. They're taking me to lunch. And I, I don't, I don't enjoy looking a gift horse in the mouth. Um, and that's not what I'm doing. I'm literally elbowing a gift horse in the mouth at this point. I'm just, I'm just punching him as hard as I can in the fucking mouth. And that's not nice. You can't do that. But I did. And I'm like, uh, fuck. So part of me is like, yeah, I should choke this down. But then I just couldn't. It just, it just was not for me. And I, I was like, all right, all right, all right. And they were kind enough to understand. I told them, I was like, all right, sorry. <laughs> I mean, um, it was, it was almost like, you know what? I, I, I'm not even remember. I don't even remember what the name of the Thai place was but I'm willing to guess it was Bobby O'Chang's. That's my guess. It could have been, it was that fucking grim, man. Uh, just, just, and we were supposed to go to blues fest that night. It was like a Tresha and Ken weren't cause they were going home and I talked to Brogy and he was, you know, he'd been up early and he works. He's a, he's a grown man. He, and also he's got a bad ticker. I can't take this fucking guy anywhere. I don't want to fucking literally the poor dude almost died from eating an appetizer. I'm going to take him out to a fucking blues fest and expose him to drunks. Uh, but I asked him if he wanted to go and he was very gracious. He's like, you know what? Let me go home and rest for a couple hours and we'll see if I want to. And then he went home and I'm sure he crashed. So I didn't, I didn't hear back from him. So Tanya said she'd pick me up. Tanya and Mike came cause Ken with an, uh, Ken with a second end, he wound up going to, uh, uh, he had to work the blues fest in his capacity as a law enforcement official, but he was actually working for a different company doing some overtime for liquor license stuff. So we wound up going to blues fest. There was a, a Canadian legend named Kim Mitchell at the blues fest. Uh, Mike dropped me and Tanya off. We went in there and we were going to do a couple of laps around, wait for Mike. So we meet Ken. We talked to him for a while. He's like, Hey, the show's about to start. Come on in. There's food trucks. It's pretty cool. And it was, and I will tell you this, um, 
The best thing about this trip is I'm not in my house. I'm not in the apartment. I'm going to wrestling. And look, going to events, going to wrestling, going to Maiden, all that stuff is fine. But visiting with people is what it's about. Seeing people. We just, today, tonight we sat out in front of the fire. And, and it was, it's just something where I go, I should be doing this more often. I should go out um, and go to that Blues Fest. You know, we have a lot of those things in California. Certainly every weekend I could find something to go to, a carnival or, or, or anything. And, and I loved it. I mean, it was just, it was twilight. Uh, there was a bunch of people around and look, if you're looking for the drunk people who are going to annoy you and ruin everything, then yeah, they're going to be there. Case in point, Tanya and I are walking. We say hi to Ken and we go to walk, uh, around to the front gate. We had to go to the clock tower to enter and get a wristband. And then, uh, some guy starts yelling for Tanya and, uh, we look over and Tanya goes, Oh, that's my neighbor. I told you about. And I said, uh, Oh. She goes, yeah, I, because I, she had told me, she goes, <laughs> even before we went to this thing, she's like, my neighbor's going to be there, but I don't know if I want you to meet him. I'm like, why? She goes, oh, because he's going to be so drunk. And then you're going to think that, you know, and I hang out with people like that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to judge you from this guy. Uh, and then I met him. Uh, we're walking and there's a break in the gate and there's one security guard there. This And this little, I don't even understand. It, like, dude, at Maiden. They had all the security people were small women. And, uh, and I looked at Ken when we got inside. I go, dude, this is ridiculous. Why? Where are they? Because I mean, in L.A., it's all beefy fucking dudes. And he's like, no, it's, it's a trend now where they hire security that is non-threatening because they feel it will, it will, the crowd will respond better and they won't cause an issue or they, anything will happen. So I was like, all right, well, until an issue fucking starts, and then you got 17 little girls trying to tackle one fucking dude. So we walk by this break in the fence. There's one young girl there. And uh, it just, I hear this guy. He's like, Tanya. And, uh, and she goes, oh, Mike, that's Bubba. And I'm like, of course it is. I didn't even know who Bubba is. I just know that that sounded like a fucking Bubba. And I turn around and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a guy. He's got the uniform of white guy summer on. He's got your khaki shorts. He's got your sleeveless shirt. He's got the sunglasses up on top of his scalp. He's got a beer in both hands. And uh, he's like, hey, come on in. Come on in this way. And the security guard looks at us and goes, you guys can't go in this way. You got to go around to the front to get a wristband. And, uh, and Tanya goes, oh, no, we're going we're gonna to get a wristband. And uh, Bubba goes, don't listen to her. Come on in. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine with me. It's fine. I say it's fine. It's fine. And I mean, I've worked enough shows and I've been security in enough places to know that Bubba just needs a fucking clothesline in the throat right now. I mean, he's going to be an issue in, in 20 minutes. He's going to be a problem. He's a problem now, certainly for this little girl, but in 20 minutes, he's going to be everybody's fucking problem. And, uh, and he's like, no, it's fine. Come on. And I say, it's okay. I say, it's okay. And Tanya looks at me and she's like, we're not going We'll go around the front. It's okay. And I said, okay. And the security guard just goes, no, sir, it's not okay. They, they can't come in. They, you know, they got to go. And Bubba comes over and he literally pushes open the fence and he goes, no, come on. I say, it's okay. It's okay. You guys, you guys can come on in. It's okay. And Tanya goes, no, no, we're going to go get uh, the, the wristbands. And the security girl goes, uh, if they want a drink, they got to go get wristbands. They have to go to the front. And Bubba goes, they're with me. They can drink. Just, just let them in. Come on. They can come in. And I, Tanya goes, no, we're leaving. And Tanya like kind of grabs my arm to pull me just like, so we don't engage the guy anymore. And the security, the guard looks at Bubba and goes, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're okay. They're going to go to the front. And Bubba looks at the security guard and goes, don't you know who I am? 
And I don't know if it's Bubba's wife or girlfriend, but that that was her cue to immediately go, oh, okay, we're done. And she just grabs him by the shirt and kind of pulls him away. And he's like, oh, I just wanted my friends to come in, whatever. And we walked. And Tanya looks at me and she goes, oh, I told you he'd be so drunk. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's not even drunk. That's like science experiment drunk. And uh, we walked into Blues Fest and it was a ton of people. Kim Mitchell took the stage. He played a couple of songs. We took a couple of laps. And uh, Tanya doesn't like crowds very much, which is, and believe me, I don't even know if it's that Tanya doesn't like crowds or she, or she didn't want to run into Bubba again. I, I don't know what it was. But we walked around, we looked at all the food trucks. We had a, And we were there for, I don't know, half hour. Like I said, we saw three songs by Kim Mitchell. We heard them, I should say. We went into the tent. There was nowhere to sit. And then Tanya goes, yeah, I don't, I don't really like crowds. And that's all, dude, that's the opening I needed. I'm like, well, let's get out of here. Why don't we get out of here? Let's go. And uh, we wound up going. We were still in, uh, I don't know, Kitchener, Waterloo, Baden. I'm in one of these fucking towns. And, uh, and we went out to get something to eat. And we were going to go to La Cucina for pizza but then i was like as we were walking we fought we were gonna walk right past get this grand trunk saloon i don't know if you're aware of it built on fried chicken so i told tanya i said hey this is this place was really good so mike he parked the car he met us we went in we had a taco board we had some fried chicken it was crazy delicious it was really good uh which was fun and amazing and awesome and then we wound up going to an escape room the next night um because because we Man, we almost closed fucking Grand Trunk that night. I think they closed at one. Um, and then on Monday, we wound up having an escape room. Was it Monday or Sunday? I think it was Monday. We wound up going to another escape room. Uh, same place, but a different obstacle. And this time, our buddy John was there to try to help us get out of it. We wound up in that escape room. And dudes, we fucking, we were killing it. It was the same thing again. Pick a leader. If you're going to do a fucking escape room, pick a leader. So we picked a leader. And uh, and it, I picked Ken. And then other people kind of helped to nominate Ken. Because well, I was going to nominate John. Uh, and then the first thing I said is let's pick a leader. And John goes, not me. And I'm like, all right, well then we got to have a vote. I thought it was going to be pretty easy. Uh, so we voted Ken because you know, Ken is, uh, he's got the phone. He's a cop. And, uh, and we went into the mayor's office and even though we had a leader, once again, it still took 20 minutes with the fucking first round. There were boxes and things we had to do. And there was a, a, a you know, schematic and a map and all this stuff. And, but then once we got out of there, once we got into the other room, we were fucking cooking, we were flying and we were doing great. And there was one final thing where, where I should say one thing we couldn't figure out. Just one final thing. We're just like, all right, this should get us to the next level. And we're waiting, we're pondering, we're looking, we're thinking, we're staring, we're going ahead, we're sounding it out. And when this is like three minutes left and we're doing it and we're looking and you're, I, I can't give away what we were doing, but we were all going back and looking at it. And uh, the time was running out. We got to 30 seconds, we got 20, 10 seconds and we just went, I, we can't we can't fucking do it and it ended and the kid who ran the escape room came in and looked at us and he just goes that was the last clue we're like what he goes yeah you were done he goes if you would have gotten that last one you were done so the last room we got out in a a buck 11 this room with three minutes left we were ready to go we just couldn't pick up the last clue so we were proud we're happy Uh, but then we had to take the sad photo we didn't get to hold the trophy god damn it uh, and then we went out again, we went all went out together. Everybody's been very nice. It's one of these things where when I'm going to come to town, you know, I've been talking about this for a couple of months and it, it always seems like everybody is, is on board. And then as it comes closer, everybody falls out. They can't do it. They can't arrive. They can't come. But man, uh, we had a, we had a core group this time. We, we've had Tanya and Mike, we've had Tresha and, and Ken, and we've had John and of course, Ken, I'm staying with and Steven, um, and, and they've come to basically everything. Uh, we wound up going to, uh, we threw axes the night after the escape room. We've, we've thrown axes the last two years. And the defending champions are, uh, John won the first year. And then last year, Stephen Brogy 
with the most amazing follow through I've ever seen. He just he looked like a guy who was mad at the world and he channeled it into the fucking the axe bullseyes. I've talked about it on last year's show. It was amazing. So I couldn't wait. I was like, all right, we're going to get John versus Steven in the battle of the two winners. And then Axe Day comes along, and unfortunately, John has to wind up working because uh, he's got a company that's it, it's August. I, I should have. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy John has made as many events as he has. But unfortunately, I'm you know a lot of people have to drive a lot of ways to get here. Trisha and Ken, it's like two hours, and, and Tanya and Mike are, but they but they're still coming, and I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. So John had to work. It wound up it just didn't work out the timing, and then unfortunately, Stephen. Uh, wound up getting a, he, he was under the weather. He had a migraine and he couldn't come to the axis. So I'm like, ah, oh, dudes, all right, we're going to crown a new champion. That's the only good news. So it was me secret Asian Ken, Ken with another N and, uh, no Facebook, Mike, who uh, had reached out to me via Twitter and tried to be included in, in some of the events. And he was, he said, I'm coming one of the days. So we came out to the axes and, uh, and we, we, we practiced axes and I couldn't get anything to stick. It's this thing where like, you know, I do it once a year. So then you, you, you're like, oh, I, I know how to do this. But then you realize if you haven't done it in a, re- a year, you need form, you need technique, and you need to fucking get it down or else you're just not going to do it right. So I'm practicing. I, I can't get a fucking axe to stay in the board. Uh, Ken is also practicing. He's new. Ken, uh, Secret Asian Ken, he's never done the goddamn thing. Um, Mike, I believe, was there last year. And Ken, Ken's really good. Ken Fairhall, he actually throws during the year, not just that once a year. So we went to fight and uh, our coach was Shamar, a lovely gentleman put us on the line. It was me against secret Asian Ken. And, uh, there was this thing where I was throwing the ax and it wouldn't stick it in my head. I'm going, he wanted me to do it two handed, but I wanted to do it one handed. I felt better doing it that way. And then he's like, well, you, you need to have your non-dominant foot forward and then step forward with your dominant leg while you're throwing. And, and, uh, that seemed backwards to me. Like I want, if I throw right-handed, I want my, my left foot forward so then I can step forward with my right foot. Uh, it just, it just, it had my body off. So I was like, well, all right, I'm going to do this my way when it comes time to throw it. And I also, I moved back a little cause he wanted me to cheat up on this line, whatever the fuck you don't care. How, how boring is this about ax coaching? Jesus fucking Christ. The point is, uh, I lined up me and secret Asian can now again, secret Asian can he's never done this before. So, uh, so odds are good that I'm going to do better. I should, I've done it two years in a row, although only one time a year. So I've only got, I've only done it two more times than secret Asian Ken, but, uh, but odds are good that I should be okay. And sure enough, I line up and I go, you know what? I'm gonna take a step back. It was one step back. That's all I did. I was like I said, one handed dominant foot. And then I'm going to step one step back. And I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know how the spirit of Paul Bunyan arrived in Canada and leaped into my goddamn body. I have no clue, but, uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that I fucking dominated at ax throwing. My first two throws were bullseyes. And then I got a three and another three and a one. Uh, we switched sides. I got two more bullseyes. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure Ken, cause again, I was very intimidated when I first did it. And then imagine being Ken, you've never done the thing and you line up with me and, and then I throw nothing but bullseyes. You got to be thinking, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't even want to do this anymore because I do that with myself where I'm like, if things aren't going well, I, go ahead and listen to part of the show where you just go, I got to get the fuck out of here and run fleeing into the night. Uh, but I, 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 for some reason, I was really good. I was throwing axes. I was dominating. I, I beat Ken and then Mike had to go against Ken with an N and then I had to go against Mike. And I was, again, I took a step back. I leaned forward. And then, uh, I don't know what happened folks. I don't know how Paul Bunyan decided to leave Canada at that moment, but I sucked immediately. I sucked again. So I go against Mike 
And uh, I win one game. Or no, we tied in the first game. I won the second game. No, that's a lie. He won the first game. And then uh, I won the second game. And then he beat me in the third game. I mean, I was doing okay, but I wasn't, I was only scoring like against fucking Ken. I was scoring like 15, 16 points, 17 points. This time I'm scoring three points, one point. Terrible. Uh, the biggest match was me against, I, I went against Ken with an N, uh, Ken with this, an extra N and, uh, and we, and we lined up and again, I, I got I, all of a sudden Paul Bunyan returned and I was just fucking nailing bullseyes. I killed him in the first game and then he won the second game. So then we go to the third game and I'm, I'm throwing bullseyes and he matched me bullseye. I throw another bullseye. He matched a bullseye. I threw a three. He threw a one. Uh, and then I threw a bullseye and he missed. So I'm up six. And the way it works is when you're up on the last ax throw, you throw first. And if I would have hit any mark on the board, uh, if I hit a three or a five, I win. If I hit a one, there's a green dot on the board that he has to call clutch and he has to hit. And the green dot is, uh, maybe two inches in circumference. And it's up in the far corner on either side of the board. So uh, I miss my shot. I'm up six. Ken calls clutch. And uh, folks, I I, uh, I saw it in slow motion when it happened. I, I've never seen a more perfect axe throw. He he called clutch and he reared back and just... and Because it wasn't like he, he chillied it that he didn't aim. He just fucking fired and he fucking split the green dot. Just put it right in the middle. And beat me just like last year when that chick beat me with the fucking overhand axe throw. It was just another bad beat in the fucking axis for me. I was like, God damn, what happened? I was killing everybody earlier. But then folks, we got into the round robin in the playoff and uh, I'll spare you the play by play. But let's just talk about the fact that uh, an American is bringing home the axe title this year. Uh, I defeated everybody. I crushed them all. They left them in my wake. Their bodies were left with axes splitting their skulls. I have a picture of me by my final bullseye. I have a picture of me with my name written where it says champ. That's right. The red marker indicated that I am the champ. And, uh, and I was proud. I am now the defending champion of axes. And, and as I've mentioned, this is too long of a trip, 11 days. If I come back next year for two days, I come back for whatever. If we don't ever do axes again, which I may not, I may never do axes again, just because, uh, I am the grand champion of all time. And I may just send taunting texts up North over and over, unless I wind up getting chased out of America because it's spinning down the fucking drain. And then I'll have to come up here and defend my title. Who knows? But afterwards we were like, where are we going to go eat? And uh, folks, guess where we wound up? I'm going to call this, well, it's Canada. And you know, Canada is known for a few things, one of which is hockey. And one of the most important things in hockey is the hat trick. So we performed the food hat trick of going to Grand Trunk Saloon for a third time. We ordered hominy frites. We ordered some biscuits. And it was fried chicken night. I don't know if you're aware of this. Grand Trunk Saloon built on a pyramid of fried chicken. So, uh, all of us went, you know what? Let's all get the chicken because it's chicken night. Normally it's six pieces for 20 bucks. Well, tonight it's 10 pieces for 20 bucks. What the fuck? So Tresha and Ken ordered chicken and uh, Mike himself, he ordered chicken and me and Ken ordered chicken. So we got 30 pieces of fried chicken coming, baby. And, uh, it's taken a while and it's taken a while and we get our hominy frit. We eat those. We get our biscuits. It's all, and, and it's, uh, all delicious. We're waiting for the chicken. The chicken arrives and I bite it. And I instantly know something's wrong because I've eaten there twice before in like four days. So I'm chewing it and I'm like, oh, it's got this, this acrid burned taste to it. But, but here's the thing. Uh, Ken brought me to, to Ken and Tresha brought me to terrible Thai food. And Steven had brought me to terrible Bobby O'Chang's or whatever the fuck. 
And now I'm, I'm the food guy. I'm like, Hey, let's go to Grand Trunk Saloon. It's really good. And now I'm eating the food and, and the food is bad. And I'm like, I'm on the hook now. What the fuck? Is it catching? Is this an honorary Canadian thing that I have to fuck up the restaurant recommendation now? And we had been there twice before and it was crazy good, but we're eating it. And also again, these people are, these are all new people. Cause I had gone first with John and then I went again with Tanya and Mike. So now I bring Ken and uh, Ken and Tresha and Mike and we're eating it. And and the dipping sauces were bad. Everything was bad. It was just, uh, now look, the first two things were good, but the chicken, the dipping sauces, everything was just, and I'm eating it and everybody's kind of eating it. And I see Tresha and she has literally pulled like all the skin off of her chicken. And it's just sitting there looking, it looks like a deflated fried chicken balloon. It's just laying on the fucking plate. And I go, I'm, and I'm like, you didn't like it? She goes, nah, it's okay. Uh, Cause nobody wants to make me feel bad. Cause they're not, you know, they're all polite. They're not like me where I'm like, this fucking papaya salad is an outrage. (laughs) So they're all trying to be nice about this fucking chicken that I couldn't stop raving about. And then I find it, I wind up making excuses for the chicken. I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have like a lot of spice. I got a salt and pepper, but it's moist. It's delicious. It's got the, but also, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's a little different today. Like I'm trying to negotiate now because I feel like a dick. And, uh, and then there's just silence around the table. This, this, this cloud of deep fried disappointment just settles over all of us and ken in the midst of this silence looks up takes a sip of his beer and he goes does this uh chicken taste burn to anybody else and i go yes like i couldn't wait to scream it yes thank god because i couldn't say it because i look like a dick because i recommended the fucking place but if one guy one other person says it i'm on board i'm with you i'm your man friday i am fucking sancho i am robin i'm right at your side you be batman and let's fuck this chicken up baby and sure enough he's just like it is burned right and then i go yes and then everybody goes oh my god yes what's wrong and uh and that's why trisha didn't want to eat the breading and and ken my here's my favorite part secret agent ken he's just like well i uh I mean, Mike, you came here and you said it was really good. So I just thought this is the way it was supposed to taste. And I'm like, no, I have taste buds in my head, Ken, I promise. And so we're all, I mean, we're just bummed. And I mean, again, because, you know, that's like 120 bucks for the food. And it's like, what a fucking tragedy. So, uh, oh, I didn't even tell you this. When I went to, when I went the second time to the Grand Trunk Saloon, I was with Tanya and Mike. And there was a woman at the bar. And uh, Mike goes, oh, that's the owner, eh? I said, really? He goes, yeah, she's the owner. I saw her. They did a story in the paper on this place, and she was. Uh, they, they interviewed her. I said, oh, well, that's cool. Like, this is a nice place, man. She should be proud. And I go, that's cool that she's here on a Saturday night, you know, fucking checking out the business, whatever. So we finished eating, and our wait, our waitress had been really nice. So I felt like going, well, you know, this is a good place. And also, if you're an out of town person, sometimes your compliment carries more weight. So uh, I let Mike and Tanya slip out, and I walk up to that woman at the bar, and I go, hi. She goes, hey, how are you? I said, good. I hear you're the owner person. And she says, no. And I said, pardon me? She goes, no, I'm not the owner. I said, oh, are you a manager person? She goes, well, I'm I'm a manager, yes. And now she's annoyed with me. I'm I'm coming to give a compliment, and now I've annoyed this woman. And all I can think of is Mike is just watching through the window outside, just going, ha ha, dummy, way to go. So I tell her, I, and so I go, look, your waitress was nice. The chicken was amazing. I, I'm from out of town. It's my second visit. It's so good. And uh, I walk outside. I'm like, Mike, that's not the fucking owner. He's like, oh, I thought, I thought it was. I saw her in the paper. I'm like, you fucking, what are you doing to me? So this night, it's the same lady. And she comes over to the table and she's like, how is everything? And there's a beat. And, uh, and Ken goes, well, I'll be the one to say it. I'll just tell you, the chicken is burned. 
It has a burn taste. And she makes a face like she was expecting us to say this. And she looks and she goes, well, yeah, yours was the last batch that went out before we noticed it. And, uh, and so they changed the oil in the fryer. And I was like, oh, okay. She goes, so if you want, I'll just, not if you want. She said, I will take care of this. I will take the chicken off the bill and I would like to make you more chicken. So you're not left with a bad taste leaving. You'll, you'll, you'll take, cause we're known for our chicken. And we're like, okay, yeah, if you want to do that, that'd be great. She goes, okay, I'll be right back. And, uh, and she comps the whole meal. She comes back and she says that they're still having problems with the fryer. So they can't make us the fried chicken. So again, like I said, she comps the meal. She gives Ken a gift certificate, uh, for a, a generous amount says, please come back and visit our restaurant. And so she took care of it very well. She did it. She, she was on it. She offered to replace our food for free. She comped us for all the other food. Uh, and then everybody was very generous and they all tipped her. Well, they tipped the waitress because it's not the waitress's fault that everything got fried. But, um, but sure enough, she's like going out of her way, I think to, to take care of it. However, at the same time in my brain, I go, well, wait a minute, you just said Ours was the last batch that went out before you noticed that everything coming out of the fryer was fucking garbage. And yet you still let us eat that fucking chicken. Like, how do you not approach the table and go, Hey, let me, let me step in. How's this chicken? Because we're hearing that it might not be our best. Like, don't you do that? Don't you get ahead of it? Are you just hoping that we're just a bunch of fucking yokels who don't have good taste buds and don't know a fucking burning taste on goddamn chicken. I've been here three times. God damn it. I'm a regular. So I was happy that she took care of it and happy that she gave Ken a gift certificate. But at the same time in my brain, I was just kind of like, man, she could have, uh, she could have done, she could have taken care of this a lot sooner. It felt to me. Uh, now again, if she was the owner, perhaps she would have done something like that. And I'm sure Mike would have been very happy to tell me that she would do it if she was the owner. Uh, but we, so we wound up leaving and nobody took their leftovers. It was just, and so I felt like it was a bust, but at least we didn't have to pay. It was just, and I, and look again, I don't, this is like, this is a, a 90 minute commercial for why you shouldn't invite me to your town to eat food because it sounds like I'm just going to bitch about fucking everything. And I'm not, I promise this is spoken like a man who's got a belly full of fucking delicious lasagna and enchiladas. I'm, I'm full. I'm so, you know what? That's the key. If I come to your town, you cook for me. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the only reason that's the only way I get good food. So, uh, so then yesterday I went up going to the Jays game with Ken and his daughter. Uh, and, and, and that was crazy fun. We went in the daytime. And we sat in these things called the TD seats, which are really amazing. And uh, you're out of the, you know, the sun's on everybody else, but you're in the shade, but you're in, you're behind the seat. There's a waitress who comes, you can order whatever the fuck you want. Uh, it's just a really nice way to watch a ball game. So we sit down Now I will tell you this, the Jays suck. So they don't have a really huge crowd, but there are a bunch of people in those seats. So we did not win the lottery. We did not have an empty row and we sat down and, uh, I'm, I'm sitting next to Ken and then another couple comes and sit next to us. And so now I'm crushing Ken and I'm crushing this new guy. Cause Ken, Ken's a big dude too. He's a, he's a cop. He's a big barrel chested dude. And I'm sitting next to him and I'm like, dude, I'm squishing you. I'm so sorry. He's like, no, nah, we'll make the best of it. Whatever. Uh, the other dude sits next to me. Now this dude who sits next to me, he's like, he looks like a fucking soccer player from Italy. I mean, he's just sleek and he's with his girlfriend. So Ken orders a beer and, uh, the woman leans forward and she's like, oh, Hey, what's the alcohol level in that beer? And Ken says, uh, oh, I don't know. I can't see. And we're all trying to read the label. I look, I go, it's 2.4. She goes, oh, all right. I think I can have that. And her husband goes, you sure? She goes, yeah, I think that's good. And she looks at us and she goes, I'm pregnant. So I just want to make sure that I can have a beer. And uh, I, I look, I don't have, I've never been pregnant. I don't, I've never knocked anybody up. Uh, 
But I do recall two things. You don't shake them and you don't pour beer on them when they're in your fucking stomach, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the rules? If you, you don't smoke, you don't smoke, you don't fucking drink. It's like it, you're an Adam Ant song. If you get pregnant, don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Well, you know what you do? You don't do it. You don't have a fucking beer at the ballpark. But she ordered one and she drank a beer and she, I, I don't, like I literally, I sat there and I Googled it. I'm like acceptable amounts of alcohol for pregnant women. But I didn't want her to look over my shoulder and see that I was Googling it and judging her. But, uh, but it's Canada. I, I guess maybe it's different up here. Maybe it's the elevation here in America's hat. I got no fucking clue, but she, she had a beer and her husband was like, yeah, honey, you can have that. I'm like, Oh man. Uh, so we're all squished in the row and behind us, there's kind of a freestanding table and it's got four seats and it's, there's three old men sitting at it. So about the fifth inning, I, uh, we stood up and Ken and his daughter went to go get something from the concession stand. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not sitting back in this uncomfortable row. I'm going to sit by these old men because there was one free seat. So I sat down and, uh, I'm watching the game. I'm talking to Ken. He's sitting in the row in front of me. And, uh, um, this old man, I, I can feel it. He's mad that I'm, I'm sitting at the table. Now, nobody else is at the table. I'm not bothering him. I'm not taking anybody else's seat. I mean, he's got his two friends to his left. I'm to his right. But the seat was empty. And we're not, I'm not crowding him. I'm not even touching him. He's, he's easily a foot and a half away from me. But I can see he's pissed. And I don't say anything. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm a guest. So, uh, so there's a play that goes down. And uh, one, a guy named Bo Bichette gets a double. And there's an error on the board and it, it looked like there might've been an error on the play. And, and so the guy talks to his friends and he's like, is that an error on who's that on? Who's that error on And they're trying to figure it out. And I lean over and I go, no, that error was on the board before they're giving Bichette a double. And he looks at me and he says, did we ask you? And I said, no. And, uh, he just turns around and starts talking to his friends. Now this guy's 65 white hair, balding. So I leaned forward and I'm, I kind of laughed to myself. Like, is that, I mean, cause it was blatant. It was, it was not even fucking around. So, uh, another couple batters goes by. He's talking to his friends and I can, I, he, I can hear him muttering kind of with the thumb gesture over his shoulder, like this guy or whatever. And in my brain, I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't want to bother anybody. There was nobody in this seat. I didn't think I was out of line, but also there's part of me that's like, I mean, I'm going to tune up this fucking old man. I mean, I literally, I hope he says something because kind of, I know we're with Ken's daughter, (laughs) which is probably not the best time to punch an old man in the dentures, I would assume. But he was, he just, it was clear that he, he wanted a confrontation. I felt like, so I was waiting for it. So I, uh, when that happens, when I find myself in a situation like that, I, you know, you can stand down and just kind of be meek and timid, or you can lean into it a little bit. You can make sure that you're on his radar screen. You can make sure that he knows that I know that he doesn't want me there and it doesn't bother me. So, uh, he's talking to his friends and he turns around and he's kind of in profile and I catch him out of the corner of my eye and he sneezes. And I look at him and I just go, bless you. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm fine. And I, I just laughed. I was like, okay. I turned around, I watched the game. 
And he turns around to his friends and I hear him and he goes, bless you. And he's just, he's like muttering, like that is the worst thing I could have ever said to the guy. But he's just mad I'm talking to him at this point, but I'm enjoying talking to him because I know it's making him fucking mad that I'm talking to him. So uh, I'm I'm in the chair and Ken and his daughter are in front of me and I'm talking to Ken and Ken's leaning back and he doesn't know any of this is going on, by the way. Uh, And then the the old man's next to me and uh, the waitresses, like I said, they come around with orders. So the waitress comes around and she's got a, uh, some almond ice cream bars and she goes to give them to me. She goes, Hey, did you order this? I go, I did not. And, uh, she goes, Whoa, well, I, they said it was this table. And I go, I'm, I'm assuming it's these guys over here. And I go, Hey pal. And he looks at me and I go, I go, is this your ice cream? And he's like, oh, yes, it's my ice cream. Come over here. And he, he, he like, he wouldn't let me hand it to them. He instead makes her walk around me and give it to him. And he shakes his head at me with like a scornful look. And then another fucking inning goes by and the waitress comes by with a beer. And she goes, is this your beer? And I go, it is not my beer. I'm assuming it's his beer. And he turns to look at me and I go, is that your beer? And he goes, oh yeah, that's my beer. That beer's for paying customers. Paying customers get beer. And, and now I've had it. And I just go, hey, I am a paying customer. My fucking seat is right there. And he goes, oh no, enjoy. I, you're fine here. And I go, no, I'm not. You don't want me here, do you? And he goes, I'm just telling you, I, I, this is for, this is beer for paying customers. I said, I am a paying customer. My seat's right there. Do you want me to move? No, enjoy. I'm, I, it's fine. Please, please stay there. It's okay. And he's smiling and he's nervous because now I've called him on his bullshit. And, uh, and then he turns to his friends and his two friends walk away and leave him alone at the table. And he's kind of hunched over with his beer. And, uh, and part of me wanted to continue to torment this old man. Uh, at, at some point dropping in that I was an American, anything like that to really ruin his day. Uh, but I went, what are you doing? Ken paid for your ticket. Ken's daughter is here. And this old man's probably like a war hero. Didn't you guys fight a war here? Didn't you, is there a war in 1812 or did you fight the Eskimos or some bullshit to get snow? I don't know what the fuck you did, but I'm sure he fought in that war for you guys. So I went, you know what? Leave this old man alone. And I got up and I went and sat down by Ken and Ken's like, what's going on? And I go, oh, that old man did not enjoy me. And he's like, oh, really? And I told him, I just told, all I told him about was the sneeze. And he just started, we could not, we could not stop laughing. We laughed for like two minutes. He's like, I'm fine. Who says that after a sneeze? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but it was, it was great. It was, it, you know, I love going to the Jays games. All, all, everything was great this week. I come home, I meet John. We go to a restaurant that we went to last year. We had some Indonesian food. I always, I, it's just, it's just fun and different. And everybody is, is kind and generous and it makes me very happy to come here. I now look next year. Will I come here for 11 days? Probably not just because people have lives and they want to go ahead and do their thing and they don't need me bothering them. And I get that. And that's fine. Um, but tonight we had a potluck. Steven went to a bakery and got fucking fancy pastries and he put a little Hershey thing on there. And, and like I said, we've got lasagna and, and, and it's not even about that. It's about sitting in the, you know, we sat in the backyard. Like I truly, honestly, I should have done this fucking show first. I should have done this before. Cause I wanted to just visit my friends tonight. Um, I, I wanted, my friends are very nice and, and they're nice to take care of me while I'm here. And what I had to give back was doing a show for them. I don't feel I, I, uh, did the best show for them. I don't think I've paid them back for their kindness nearly as, as much as I should have. Uh, 
Uh, but that's how my brain works. I'm always going to go ahead and hold myself to some sort of different standard or a higher standard and hope that they understand. And they're all sitting here now looking at me as I say this, and I'm sure it's bananas and strange. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed every single moment I was in town. It was cool to hang out. Uh, Tanya's just the cutest. Her husband, Mike is so great to, to participate because I mean, he didn't know my show. And then he's telling me stories where they, they both have stories. Tanya was at the gym and her fucking iPod, the, the, the earbuds fell out of it. And so my voice is like, fuck, 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 fuck. And everybody in the gym's like, what's going on? And, uh, and Mike has the same story twice. He's at, he's at a car at a stoplight and there's like these three mean girls on the corner. And I, I come blaring out of the speakers talking about a donkey cock or something. And he's like, Whoa, he's got to turn the radio down. And, uh, and then he was at work and he, he works for a, an electronics company. I don't want to say who, but he had a work issued piece of equipment. And out of nowhere, my voice comes bursting out of it saying fuck a million times. And his coworkers are like, what? And he's like, it's a demo model. It's a demo model because he has to explain why I'm screeching at people. And, uh, and they cover for me. They, 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 they still support and, and I'm grateful and happy and, uh, I'll be back. I'll come back to Canada. And, and I, I, you know, I've talked about in the times before I came here, I was like, maybe I'll move there. Maybe I'll do this. And I had, I actually had the discussion with them this week. I was like, I would, I would live in Toronto. The only, the only thing keeping me from it is the, the hope that I get a phone call to write on a show or, or be close to stuff in, in Hollywood. And, also the, uh, the weather, I mean, the weather's just a fucking killer being here for winter would just be, I can handle it for a week. I don't know if I could live in snow and climate again. Um, but I should have done this show earlier in the evening and then we could have all hung out. Cause I, you know, cause this is work. This is my work, which sounds so stupid to people who have real jobs and go ahead and do cool things. Uh, but when I'm here, just, you know, we're going, I'm, I'm going to baseball games and escape rooms and throwing axes and stuff. And, uh, and that's all I want to do. I, let's go have fun. Let's go have fun. Let's go run into the cornfield and do some dumb shit. That'll be fucking great. And, and then my friends, this is the payoff for them. And I, I, not enough of one as far as I'm concerned, but I'm, I'm grateful and happy that they consider this something they would want to participate in. And they want me to come up here. And, uh, you know, as, as I've told you guys before, we've, we've kind of, we've crossed the line. Certainly, you know, there was, there's, there's, fans in the beginning and then listeners and then friends. And, and, um, I think we're all of those things together and it makes me very happy. So I'm grateful to Canada. I'll definitely be back. And, uh, and Ken and Ken (laughs) with an N and Tresha and Steven and John and Tanya and Mike and Kendra and Sarah and no Facebook, Mike and, uh, everybody who came out to have fun and enjoy. And, um, thank you for having me here and I love you guys and I can't wait to come back. You guys can get me at Mike at Mike You guys can be my friend at uh, facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can find me at Instagram and Snapchat. That's right. Mike four zero Y O B. That's me, Mike four zero Y O B at Instagram and Snapchat. Also on the PS four network. I'm Mike four zero Y O B. I'm also Mike four zero Y O B on Venmo. I don't know if that does anything for you. How weird would that be? Hey, everybody, that's where I'm at in the money place. Uh, so find me at any and all of those places, subscribe and find me, please. I'd appreciate that very much. Be my friend, be my pal, send me a chat and I will send one back. That's what I like to do. Uh, Ryan Dirks does all of the web stuff for this show. You can find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Go ahead and tell him he does a fantastic job at the website and everything else that he needs to do. And our great friend, David Mex Hernandez, who I'm on a plane to see tomorrow. 
I'll be in Chicago starting tomorrow uh, or today. I guess you're getting this Friday morning. Uh, by the time you get this, I'll be in the air. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again, probably next year. But our friend David Max Hernandez does all of the music and all of the artwork for this show. You can find him by being his friend at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Reach out to him there. And while you're there, go to his uh, photos page and you'll see folders that he has of all of the artwork that he's done for this show, all the artwork that he's done for his closed group on Facebook called That's Dumb, They're Dumb, You're Dumb, I'm Dumb. Uh, and if you want to join that group, why wouldn't you? I think you should go ahead and reach out to him via Facebook, write him a note. First of all, become his friend, then write him a note. And to join that closed group, I will tell you this, you will have to answer three questions and he is the boss of it. He is the, he is the Don of that page and he is going to make you answer those questions. So be prepared. He's going to send them to you and, uh, don't get cute and send jokes because then you won't get in the group. Why not be part of the group? Go ahead, answer the questions, get in there and then tell your jokes and have fun. Um, but he's at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. You can find him there. Like I said, he's done and he, he's, he's willing to be hired to do, he can do Facebook caricatures. He can do paintings. He can work uh, in oils. He can work in watercolors, anything you would need him to do. Uh, like I said, on Facebook, you can see all of his stuff compiled there in the photo section. Go ahead and check it out in folders. Uh, things he's done for my page, the Westside 86 jokers page, things he's done for his own page for the closed group. And also uh, corporate stuff that he's done in the past, Valscapes and Guy Cons. And you can also go to his website if you want to see that stuff, artbydmh.com. Uh, that's where you'll see more of his corporate stuff if you're interested in something uh, maybe more professional or something not as, uh, I guess, um, you know, he, he's making characters and things like that via Facebook. But if you had something specifically that you wanted to look at his past work and see the work that he had done in his professional past, you want to go to the website. So remember, Become his friend at facebook.com slash David Max Hernandez. Check out all of his artwork there or visit his website, not even or, and visit his website at artbydmh.com. That is A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. Oh my God, David, are you still in your studio? Do you really need all of these guitars? This place is a pigsty. I need a drink of water. You know, David, I asked you a dozen times to fix this tub. The kids need to take a bath. What are you drawing? Hello? Are you waiting for Mike to call? Week after week I turn the other cheek Like the ass of a dancing man Late Wednesday night I pretend it's alright Create illustration with no information And painting's not very much fun anymore And I can't feel One of Mike's calls coming through You 
used as a jerk off sock Flat as a knocked out brock Mad as that bartender Lou Hello Hey Max, it's me, yeah Uh, no I haven't finished the show yet But I still need my art I'm not sure. I can't give the ending away, though. No. No, Max, I don't want to say. Oh, could, could you paint me with big muscles? Or or just holding a hot chick? Oh, dude, it's Christ in Da Vinci's Last Supper. Uh, yeah, punching Judas. Punching Judas in the dick. Uh, could you have it done by ten? Could you? Could, could you have it done by ten? I have cleared the room. Closing time. <clears throat> Every new beginning is one other beginning's end or some other beginning's end or all the other beginning's end. Hi, I'm Pavement. Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt in Pavement. They've hired me. Um, I'm alone. Now people went home and, and made their way to their Canadian domiciles. Uh, except for Ken with an extra N. He's upstairs sleeping as well as Tresha and Ken with one N. He is upstairs. My, what, was that? what was that shrieking noise that just came out of my throat there? <clears throat> my throat's all funky. I don't know why. Because um, I was up by the fire. Maybe I inhaled some soot. I got soot throat. Uh, but Ken has gone up to bed with Tresha. And because they are very nice and they are driving me to the airport in the morning. In a scant four hours, I think. Something like that. So I should probably wrap this up and uh, get moving. And uh, get moving. Moving high. <laughs> So uh, we've, I finished and then we cleaned up the, uh, the house here and everybody hugged me and they left and we went out and sat by the fire for a while. And now I'm here uh, telling you about our sponsor. That's right. The lovely and talented fearful Jesuit who runs the paranoid strain podcast, which, you know, is available in the iTunes store. His newest episode, uh, I, I, it might even be out now, now that I think about it. Uh, well, look, if you're subscribed, I'm just going to tell you this, go to the iTunes store and subscribe to the paranoid strain podcast. And listen to it, love it, download it. You'll go ahead, well, or actually download it, listen to it, love it. I guess if you want to go in order. And then leave a note in the iTunes store telling him uh, how much you love the show and you learn of it through us. And it lets Fearful Jesuit know that he's reaching the masses through us via the 40-year-old boy. You can also write him an email, theparanoidstrain at gmail.com. That's the address, theparanoidstrain at gmail.com. Go ahead and contact our good friend, Fearful Jesuit. His new episode is about the moon landing. Uh, like I said, it might be out now. If it's not, I'm giving away a secret, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I think it's out now perhaps. Uh, and you, and you want to look, this is a, you want to get a hold of this folks because you know, normally he's debunking conspiracy theories all over the place. Like in his last episode, it was all about the JFK assassination. Get this. 
not only does he now do a, a 180, not only does he now think that Oswald did not act alone, but he believes, now, now and again, brace yourselves, he believes the second shot didn't come from the grassy knoll. It came from the moon. Yeah, that's right. And he thinks the moon landing was us sending up a covert operation CIA style to flesh out and flush out and flesh out. We got to flush out the people who assisted Harvey Oswald in a Lee Harvey Oswald in, a, in assassinating an American president. Um, now, and look, I got to tell you, that's a, you thought Oswald was a good shot from the book depository with that manual fucking rifle. Uh, you got a guy fucking planting a shot from the moon right in Kennedy's brain pan. Jesus Christ, is that awesome? Good move. And uh, and so Fearful Jesuit is here to tell you all about it. He's going to tell you that JF Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy was blasted from the moon as well as from Lee Harvey Oswald. He's also going to tell you that, get this, we sent up a rocket to the moon and uh, and we never came back. The Neil Armstrong, the John Glenn that you know and love, those are those are clones, man. Because right now, Neil Armstrong, John Glenn, well, I don't know if they're still alive. You got to listen to the show to find out. But they've been colonizing the moon since they split. And you know who they brought with them? Uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Because you've got to unionize the workers on the moon. Like, let's listen to the show. I don't want to give too much away. But I can tell you that our good friend Fearful Jesuit has gotten to the bottom. He's torn the lid off of the moon landing controversy and tied it in with all of the other conspiracies that you didn't think it had anything to do with. But now you'll find out it has everything to do with them. Download the show, The Paranoid Strain, in the uh, <laughs> in the iTunes store and contact Fearful Jesuit. Like I said, leave him a note there in the iTunes store or review, letting him know what's up or reach out and send him an email. TheParanoidStrain at gmail.com. We are happy for his sponsorship, and we are happy to turn you guys on to a show that, from the feedback I'm getting, you love, and that makes me very happy. So thank you. Go ahead and find the fearful uh, Jesuit show, The Paranoid Strain, in the iTunes store right now. Who wants to drive for Cameo? Nobody wants to drive for Cameo. I should probably change this list in my brain, because Cameo is always first. All right, look. You want to do a Cameo? Hire me. Um... It's at Book Cameo. It's an app that you can get on your phone. I think it's bookcameo.com. But if you get it on your phone, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, go ahead and reach out to me and hire me to do something in some small way. And it's, what is it, 20 bucks? 20 bucks to you. 20 bucks to you, 15 to me, five bucks to the house. And then you got me uh, uh, telling your son about your trip to Alaska, or I got me, you got me telling you about your Renaissance fair love. You got me making fun of you all over the goddamn place, Uh, or at least not even making fun, having fun. We're having fun together. Now, certainly you're coming out on the short end because I'm the one doing all the talking, but still, folks, it's important that you get me on your cameo because then you include me in your life, and there's nothing I want more than to be included in your life. So find me on the cameo app. That's, uh, I just searched my name, Mike Schmidt. I'm not 40-year-old boy on there, I don't think. Um, But if you search 40-year-old boy, perhaps it'll come up because it's a search term in my bio, I think. That was a weird thing. My, I, I had a like a frog yawn. I think I had a frog in my throat and he yawned. That was kind of strange. Uh, so reach out and find me, please, at Cameo and book me to do those cool things. Who wants to drive for Uber and Lyft? Is it you? Is it you? Use my code for Uber and Lyft if you're a, a driver, you want to start driving, or if you're a first-time rider. Now, get this. Well, let me, let me tell you the codes first. Uber, the code is all lowercase letters, D-J-Z-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. That's DJZW, the number one YTTUE, and that's all lowercase. Use that if you want to become an Uber driver. Use that if you want to be a first-time Uber rider. Use that, and I get a spiff. Uh, now, Lyft, the new uh, the, the code is Mike720057, and that's all caps, M-I-K-E-720057. And uh, I will tell you this about Lyft. Use that if you want to be a Lyft driver, but it's also if you want to be a Lyft rider, a first-time Lyft rider. Now, 
uh, a lovely fan of the show went out and used my code and wrote me and said, Hey, I'm using your code for Lyft. And then I get an email from Lyft. Remember I told you I was getting five bucks for these? Like I was getting a spiff for everybody who used one. I was going to get five bucks. Yeah. Um, things have changed in the world of uh, the gig economy, Uber and Lyft. I don't know about Uber yet because nobody uses my code for a ride, but someone used my code to ride with Lyft and, uh, <laughs> Lyft said, congratulations, a rider used your code. You get a free Lyft ride. Uh, I'm, I'm a driver for you. I don't, I don't know when I'm ever going to need a free Lyft ride except for to and from the airport, but I guarantee this. Uh, I'm going to, I didn't read the fine print, but there's no way it's going to cover my ride to and from the airport. I, I get a, I get the feeling it's a $5 Uber ride for free, which is just fucking stupid, but we'll see who knows. Uh, but it doesn't mean I don't want you to use the code. Uh, Mike seven, two double Oh five, seven for Lyft DJ Z W one Y T T U E for Uber. Use it as a rider. Use it as a driver. Use it as a lover. Use it as a fighter. Use it as a smoker as a joker, use it as a midnight toker, use it any way you'd like, but use a code, please. Cause I get a spiff and it is just a spiff. Not, it's not money anymore for Lyft. Hey, you get a free Lyft ride. Wow. Thanks. Hey, you know, what would be really cool. Can I get a free Lyft sticker for my car? That would be awesome too. Blah. <laughs> um, so yeah, go ahead and do those things and, uh, and try to get me money or and or rides, which is both are very fucking important. Um, you know, we got a YouTube channel. Did you know that we have a, my, you know, go to youtube.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can go ahead and check out the YouTube channel, which is there lurking and it's exciting. Everybody loves it. Uh, and then we also have uh, the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy. I have not been on Twitch during this absence, during this, uh, this, this, where I've been, I've been in Canada. Uh, I was on once from the Judas Priest show and people were very nice and tuned in and I got to, and they got to see the very beginning of the show. And then I had to ditch the phone. But, um, but I will Twitch from Chicago. Now, will I play a game from Chicago? Perhaps not. Perhaps it'll just be me talking. Perhaps it'll be me and Mex talking to you guys. I don't know, but I'm going to definitely do a Twitch stream from Chicago. Uh, I'm not sure what day because it, uh, it all depends on what our schedule is. I haven't talked to David yet to see exactly what he's planned out. I know he's got old man softball on Saturday, perhaps old man softball on Sunday and, uh, all sorts of family duties. So I might just be fucking sleeping at some point at his house. But I guarantee you I will twitch at some point from, uh, can- uh, not from Canada, from uh, Illinois, from Chicago. Um, so twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Go ahead and please subscribe to that channel. Follow and subscribe, follow and subscribe, subscribe and follow, follow and subscribe. Scribe, subscribe, 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 follow. Dumb. All right. Uh, but that exists. Go follow the Twitch channel. And uh, once I get back to California, we'll be on a regular gaming schedule for a couple of days. And then I'm back to Chicago again. But once I get to California, um, if you see California, <laughs> um, I give you my heart. If, uh, if you want me to, all right, never mind. Don't do Chris Robinson. <laughs> it's late. Jesus Christ. Um, so please follow and subscribe the Twitch channel. That would be great. If you go to Mike Schmidt you can go to the Amazon page. Uh, actually to the merchandise page, which is also known as the Joe business page. And you can go ahead and click on the Amazon link. That'll come up. It'll take you to Amazon and then you're shopping, man. And we're getting a spiff. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. It's a perfect symbiotic relationship. Uh, and you're buying stuff from Amazon anyway, aren't you? You're reaching out because they got, uh, 
And look, they're killing people. I know. Everybody keeps writing me and going, you know, Amazon is there. You're destroying the planet. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I got a fucking electric bill. So do me a favor. If you're going, if you don't want to use Amazon, don't, that's totally fine. But if you're going to use Amazon, uh, then use my link because then it uh, helps us all out. And by all of us, I mean me. Uh, it might even help you, I guess, because you're happy helping the show. It doesn't help the guy that Amazon killed, certainly. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we're that's not we're we're just look, just use it. Use the fucking link. There is no such thing as guilt-free capitalism. Or uh, so so. I was talking to somebody, and he was he was saying the same thing, like that thing where you talk about, ah, man, it's poor people are getting fucking railroaded. And it seems like the rich are getting these tax cuts. And then it seems like the world is changing. And then your friend is like, well, don't you have an iPhone 10 in your pocket? Well, I mean, you know, how do you feel about the people in China being exploded? Oh my Christ. I don't know. This fucking Pandora's box with just ghosts flying around. I I can't answer the question. I don't, I, I'm sure I've murdered Chinese children by having my phone. I, I, I wish I hadn't. Uh, same thing with Amazon. I'm sure by getting myself, by, by buying my shampoo and conditioner in a bulk size from Amazon, I have caused a Portland factory worker to die. And I, it's not, it's, it's as if the entire world is that fucking movie with the, what was it? The box where if you, if you open the box and press the button, you would get a million dollars, but guaranteed someone somewhere in the world and it was anonymous would die. And, uh, and that's, that's what, it, that's what the whole fucking world has become. Hey, if you can buy from Amazon, but you know, you'll kill somebody. Hey, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and buy that iPhone. Although you're going to probably kill the next Einstein in China. And I guess, I don't know, man, the world's a complicated fucking place. Uh, but the bottom line is <laughs> there's an Amazon link on my Joe business page, the merchandise page. Go ahead and use that. Click on it, please. And uh, we get money, they get money, you get stuff. If you're using Amazon, that's if you're using Amazon. If you're not, because you're home, knitting yourself some socks and eating granola and refusing to watch television going completely off the fucking grid, then good for you. And I respect that decision. You don't have to use the link. But if you're going to go to Amazon and shop with them, then please, please consider it. That would be nice. Because we get money and then they get money and then you get stuff. As I've mentioned before. I love this idea. I love this relationship. I have a Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash the 40-year-old boy, or at least put in my name, Mike Schmidt. You'll find me right away. There's my goofy head just looming uh, with some copy that I wrote that I'm proud of and uh, and some tiers and levels that I need to work on and, and make better. I will be putting out uh, shortly. I'll be I'll be con- connecting with all of the Patreon people and seeing, getting opinions, doing kind of a survey to find out what you like, what you don't. What you want, what you need, what you, what you, what you want. So what you want. Um, But in the meantime, if you could subscribe to Patreon, that would be great. Uh, Patreon.com slash I think the 40 euro boy. Or just put in my name, Mike Schmidt, and find me on there. Because I'm on there, and I've seen it. I've seen my big melon fucking head. I'm there lurking, and you can go ahead and be a patron of this show. Like our good friend and Canadian audience member tonight, Tanya Shubali who just bumped up her uh, her Patreon uh, to a certain level, and it made me very happy, and she's very nice to think of me. And thank you, Tanya. You know I love you. I love all you guys. I love everybody here in Canada and everybody out there listening right now. So please become a Patreon. and uh, or, I'm sorry, become a patron. Don't become a Patreon. You can't do that. You can't become a website. But you can become a patron of said website in my name, and then uh, that helps me out. It keeps this show afloat. It keeps me, uh, you know, the, the Twitch channel afloat. It keeps... 
the idea of me possibly coming out and doing more live stuff afloat. Like, again, this trip was fantastic. It was a fun vacation. I enjoyed visiting people, but I should have done a show. I should have absolutely paid it off by renting a theater and doing a show. And, uh, and next time I will, next time I come to Canada, we'll have a prepared show. And also I, you know, there's been talk, like I said, of doing a show in, in November in Ohio. It was October. It got bumped. Um, there's always other cities that I like to do. I mean, I, I'd like to, uh, you've heard this quite a bit from me and you're going to hear it again and you're going to sit down. And you're going to fucking like it. <laughs> It's just time, man. I mean, I, I got to get out and do stand-up. I, I, oh, let me plug this. Uh, I'll tell you this. August 24th, which is next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, uh, Christine Blackburn reached out and was nice enough to ask me to do her Story Smash show at the Improv Lab here in Los Angeles or in Los Angeles when I get back. Um, shows, it's early show, 7 o'clock. I would love to have you there. If you're in California... Uh, you know, I don't do these very often. I don't, I certainly don't go out and look, it's kind of, it's a game show for lack of a better word. It's a game show. And in the beginning, we all tell a story that's one minute long. And then I think we all tell a story that's three minutes long and then someone gets eliminated and then people tell a story that's five minutes long and then there's eliminations and somebody wins. I, I don't, I don't know the full format. All I know is there's a wheel where you can spin it and you got to have stories to tell for any topic that comes up on the wheel. And I'm, uh, I'm already winnowing down the stories that I can tell. And I mean, granted, I'm, you know, telling a story in a minute is what the fuck, but I'm going to fucking do the best I can to nail it. That's, that's, if I'm doing this fucking thing, I'm winning. So it would be cool if you were in Los Angeles and you bought a ticket to see that Christine Blackburn is, is, uh, just lovely and always cool to include me. And she's always been very supportive of me. And uh, she's talking about getting me back on the story smash podcast soon enough. But in the meantime, I'm doing the live story worthy story smash, which is, uh, Saturday, August 24th. And that's at the improv lab. It's seven o'clock PM. So it's an early show always sells out. So if you're going to get tickets, buy tickets quickly and, uh, and come support man. And, uh, Blaine Capatch is there. He's probably the most excited person I am to see. I, I he's going to be judging and, uh, and hopefully I can impress our, my friend Blaine. It's weird because he's my friend. So, I mean, hopefully he's just not, ah, I get a I hate Schmitty. Uh, that would be, no, he wouldn't do that. Of course he wouldn't. But at the same time, it puts him in an awkward position, but also we're not best friends, but uh, shut up. Who cares? The point is I know him and he's a good guy. So I, hopefully I can do well in front of him. I don't want to put any undue pressure on people. And I want to just fucking do well to do well. Like I just said, I don't do this enough. I don't go out and, and maybe story smash can be the, the kind of the, a coming out party that gets me back on stage and gets me back doing stuff. Cause look, I, I, you know, I, I have to retrain myself to perform for audiences. I have to retrain myself in the way I'm going to be, uh, accepted. And, and, and I got to learn, man, I got to learn comedy all over again. It's going to be daunting. It's going to be scary. I still want to come to live cities. Like I said, those are different shows. Those I can show up and tell stories and people love me and, and are very nice. And we can all be together in a room. And it's, it's almost like uh, a friend coming to visit that you're buying tickets to see, which is weird. But the other getting back on stage, relearning everything, getting chops and doing everything. It's uh, as I said, daunting, but it's something I need to do something I want to do because I, I, as we've said before, and I've said it many times and you've heard it, comedy should be my life. It should be my fucking job. So, uh, so join the Patreon and you can support me in my endeavors toward that way. And, uh, and like I said, maybe it'll be your city. I come up to, maybe I'll be, I'll be, like I said, I want to do Austin. I've, I've always wanted to go back to Phoenix. I want to go back to Pittsburgh. I, there's, there's, 
And there's plenty of cities I've never played. Like I was, I was looking into Louisville. I mean, there's for a long time I was looking into cities and trying to find a cool place to go. And I thought to myself, well, this will be great and this will be good. And, and I, I, I would love to just do shows. I would, you know what I want to do? Fucking seriously. This sounds so goony. I'd love to just get in the car. If I had the kind of freedom financially to just get in the car and go kind of drive all over and just do shows and get up on stage as much as I possibly could, I would fucking do it. Literally almost this crash course and doing a show every night for two months and just trying to get up on as many stages as I possibly can. Now, can I do that in Los Angeles? Yes, probably. But they're open mics and there's a lot of sitting around and a lot of waiting. But I'm seeing other comics that I follow on Instagram and stuff and they're doing three sets a night in LA now, which is a New York thing. And and maybe I could pull that off. Maybe I should, right? Maybe I should. Or maybe I should go back to California and hide in my apartment. What do you think? I'm going to put this poll out to you. I put it to you, Greg. Uh, <laughs> what do you think I should do with my life? Well, should I go back home and hide in my apartment and avoid everybody? Or should I go out and experience stand up and try to get better at the thing that's supposed to make my life better? What do you think? I'm going to phrase it a different way. What if I took that first step toward undertaking comedy as a job, taking it seriously and treating it like something I want to do the rest of my life? Or would you recommend I hide in a dark apartment and watch Dragnet? What do you think I should do? Oh, so I'll tell you what. Press one now. Should, should Mike head out, start doing stand-up every night and trying to do as many sets as he possibly can to get good again so he can go ahead and bring his act on the road and make comedy his job? Press one now. If you think Mike should stay home in his dark apartment, eat toast and macaroni and cheese and look out the window wistfully wondering what it's like outside and refusing to check his mail for five days, press two now. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a fucking coin flip. Who knows what it's going to be? I could be at your place. You know what? Wait a minute. Let's combine it. If you think Mike should go on the road and start doing stand-up in all sorts of different venues and showing up at people's houses and eating their macaroni and cheese and toast and hiding in their apartments, press three now. There you go. See, that combines all the best of both worlds, of all worlds. I can go ahead and start thinking about doing comedy and also thinking about eating toast and macaroni and cheese. Ready? You don't come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Heck.